Happy New Year and welcome to the Sherdog Radio Network preview for UFC Fight Night 234, Ankalaya versus Walker 2, also known as UFC Vegas 84. I'm your host, Ben Duffy of Sherdog.com. With me once again, as always, is Keith Schillen, the executive producer of the Sherdog Radio Network. Keith, happy new year to you. Slightly belated. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing excellent, man. Happy, happy new year in what's it? 2024 in the year of our Lord, Bo Nickel. Yes. <laughs> Happy New Year to all the listeners out there. Get out there early for you guys. I mean, I, I think it's only about year 28 of Bo Nickel, but, you know, nonetheless, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, the savior of MMA anyway, uh, you know. <clears throat> I've got two random questions for you, just kind of yeah. trivia questions off the top of my head before we dig into this card. Uh, yeah. This card, of course, is, uh, headlined by the rematch between Magomed Ankalaev and Johnny Walker. The co-headliner is Matthias Nikolaou versus Manel Kopp in a high-stakes men's flyweight fight. Can you think of another card in UFC history that has been headlined by two rematches? Yeah, it's got to be... Yeah, not like a controversial one, like like the, the Walker one one. It's got to be... Um, and yeah. if there's lots of thinking time here, yeah. I'll, I'll cut it down. I'll keep it. In, no, I'll keep it interesting. No, I can think of one. All right. What? What is uh, it? I don't. I don't know the number, but T.J. Dillashaw versus Cody Garbrandt was the main event, and Demetrius Johnson and Henry Cejudo was the co-main event. That's beautiful. Look at that. I didn't have to cut any dead air out. Yeah, it yeah. took Keith all of about ten seconds to yeah, to yeah. peel that one off. Uh, here's another one for you. This one has nothing to do with the card that we're dealing with now just i came across it while editing some articles over the, the holiday without thinking about it too hard tell me how old hannon barrow is right now how old hannon barrow is yeah hmm. 38 he's 36 he turns 37 in a couple weeks and he's been washed for over a decade is there a fighter that, <laughs> I know. The, he, that he was an absolute killer he was an absolute killer, and then everything fell off a cliff quicker, arguably, than has ever happened to another fighter in history. He went from one of the top five pound-for-pound -pound fighters in the sport, arguably, to couldn't beat anybody within the space of, like, less than a year. Yeah, the, the only guy I can think of maybe would, would have been uh, Cody Garbrandt. I mean, he, he kind of went from, holy shit, look what he just did against Dominic Cruz, to you know kind of a you know a bum a lot of that was with some injuries he had neck surgery and sure things, but yeah uh yeah Edinburgh was probably a good one yeah i just expected him to be older when i came across that article i was dealing with so i figured i'd i'd throw it by you and you as well guessed him to be a little older than he is but uh that's enough about uh Mr. Burrell, let's talk about Mr. Ankalaev, Mr. Walker, and the 12-fight card that they're topping here. This is the UFC's first offering of the new year. Uh, what do you think of it? Give it a letter grade on paper. Um, I think it's solid. Yeah, I'll give it a B minus. I mean, it's one of those, like, you've been waiting, you know, a month now. That, that It's been a long break. I don't know about, like, I don't know what you did. I needed the break. Like, you sure. know, of course, I did the whole holiday, the Christmas thing. It, Things are different when I don't have to worry about, oh, man, I got to get this much tape study done tonight. You know, I, I'm not going to lie. That makes me enjoy when people are over a little bit. I'm not like looking at the clock like, oh, man, I'm going to get like an hour worth of tape studies. Uh, so 
you know, between doing that, I actually watched some movies, which I never do. Oh, uh, anything good? Uh, I'm a war movie guy. I like war movies. So I, I never saw 1917. What a credible movie that was. Uh, I watched 13 the, uh, hours. Two. Um, 1917, that's the Christopher Nolan one that came out just a couple years ago, isn't uh, it? I'm not sure if it's if it was Christopher Nolan. It was, a, it was like one scene, nonstop. Like it didn't stop. Yeah, that was that one was fantastic. Yeah, yeah that was, was fantastic. I watched 13 hours, another one. That yeah, so yeah, I'm not watching anything new, I guess. A couple years old, but did a lot of a lot of wrestling, you know, as I as I always do. But uh yeah, man. I, I, so so I think you know it was definitely a nice break, but then you still want to it's like anything when you go on vacation for a while, it's it's nice to be away, be in Florida, believe being you know, somewhere else, be on Myrtle Beach or something. But the, at, at the end of the vacation, you're ready to get back to normal. And and people punching each other in the face for my, like, viewing pleasure is normal. So I might be grading too much on a curve, but I'd go, like, a B-. minus. Like, I'm excited for this. There's some good fights. Me too. Uh, and even, I mean, there are a certain number of very good fights here. Like, the three of the top four, Simone versus Batista, and then the main and co-main event are, dynamite and then yeah. even in the other ones there's at least individual fighters that i'm very excited to see um yeah. even if i the matchup isn't quite what it what it could have been so i'm with you on that and i completely agree that it having been what three four weeks since the last ufc and yeah i did check in for some of Ryzen's new year yeah. new year's eve thing but it feels different when you're just watching it in the middle of the night for fun uh this is like yeah, like, you know, when you've been on the road for three hours, all of a sudden that, you know, beef jerky at the gas station is looking like some some gourmet food right there. You know, the, the little bag of peanuts on the airplane that, you know, you would never touch it at home. It's like, oh, man, mm, honey roasted peanuts. Yeah, that was, and, and if you were, like, asking for, like, a second one, like, okay, <laughs> another one. Yeah, get him another one and, like, the whole can of Coke, please. Like, yeah. <laughs> just leave the can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, you, you can tell that Keith and I both fly, Coach. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we got to talk to Shirt about that. They got up, up the budget. What the hell? Oh yeah, for sure. first class. <laughs> any think, any travel budget would be an upgrade. <laughs> yeah, you think Joe Rogan is 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 you know sitting in the middle? Uh, you know, hope, hope, hoping to check in with Southwest to get to get a you know get a window seat or get an aisle seat. I figure Joe Rogan probably sits wherever he wants on his airplane when he yeah. <laughs> when he flies to 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 UFC events. Uh, any other general thoughts before we dive into these prelims? No, I'm excited. I actually did some couple couple prelims that I that I like. Uh, one I think is really good. So yeah, I'm excited. Let's do it. But one thing of kind of general interest around this card is that there are no women's fights on this card, and that may end up being the only card all year for the UFC that we can say that about. And it's not for lack of trying. This was going to be the card that sort of pointed the direction of the post-Nunez era in women's bantamweight. There were supposed to be Yana Santos versus Norma Dumont and Ketlin Vieira versus Macy Chasson. Both of those fell apart within a few days of uh, Christmas, one way or the other. Uh, so that division will remain in limbo, and this card is a complete sausage party. Uh <laughs> First up at UFC Vegas 84 is a men's flyweight matchup between Josh Van and Felipe Bunez. Van, the 22-year-old Burmese fighter out of Houston, is 9-1 and 
Overall, he is 2-0 since joining the UFC as the former Fury FC flyweight champ, fought most recently at UFC 295 back in November, taking a unanimous decision over Kevin Borjas. Uh, he's here to take on Bunas. Bunas is making his debut. Brazilian, 34 years old. He's 13 and 6 overall. He is the outgoing LFA flyweight champ. Uh, he fought all the way back almost exactly a year ago uh, against Yuma Horiuchi, knocked him out, got signed to the UFC. He was supposed to take on Denise Bondar this weekend. Bondar withdrew with an injury in Steps Van. That's not great news for Bunes because I don't know what the odds would have been if it had been Bunes versus Bondar, who was 0-2 in the UFC. But here against Van, he's a substantial underdog. Van is coming in around minus 225 or so. Bunes plus 170. Keith, uh, we've we've talked about Josh Van a couple of times. Uh, I feel as though we have a, a pretty good handle on what his strengths and limitations are, even if we're going to go over them again here. Uh, do you see much upside in Bunas? He, he feels yeah, like, like looking at him being 34 years old, having been on the shelf for a year, being 13 and six. Uh, do you see much upside for, for the guy? Yeah. So yeah, I'll start with him. So he, he definitely like when you, before you look at it and you just, you know, go to the shirt off fight finder and you look at a guy who's, you know, he's got an okay record. He's 34. Definitely at, at flyweight. Like that's not the division that you want to be old. Is is thirty four? There's not a lot to like about him. You're like, oh man, like okay, they just found a guy to fill in. But then when you dig in and actually look at his tape, I mean, the guy's an LFA champion. So that to me, that always holds a little bit more weight. Uh, you know, that's a really good regional scene. And when you look at his tape, I mean, the guy looks good recently. I mean, he's he's very athletic still. Uh, you know, from what we last seen. Uh, fast hands, accurate. He's got a good jab. I mean, he's got a great left hook. He got a knockout, uh, or he dropped the guy with a, you know, and finished it with, with ground and pound, but it was a beautiful uh, short left hook that he landed in his last fight. Nice step on shots. He's got really good power. Uh, he likes a lot, you know, a lot of spinning stuff. He'll throw like a spinning wheel kick and stuff. I haven't seen too much ground on him. Uh, and in what I've seen, he isn't, you know, much of a wrestler, but he is a BJJ black belt. He's, he's, he's got some, He's very active, especially if you put him on his back. He's got eight subs, so I like that. You know, on the opposite side, Van is is, is when you look at the Sherlock page, you know, something that always jumps out to me is guys like 22 or 23, right? He's just 22. Super, yeah, 22. 22. He's still 22. Um, very athletic, high volume. He's a pressure striker, much better moving forward than, than you know, being pushed on his back foot. Uh, like I, like I said, I, I like his striking. He's got fast hands. He sets up his shots well with feints. Works behind a crisp jab. Got some good snap on his shots. I, some of the best body punching I've seen was his fight against Kevin Bohas. Uh, he, he was working him to, to, to the ribs. I, I like his step in the knees. Uh, underrated wrestler. Good entries. Good timing on his takedown. Strong takedown defense. Um, even when he's been taken down, like, He's he's shown the ability to get back up. Like I go against his, his match against uh, Zolga Zumukulov. He got taken out and worked, you know, back up. Uh, when he was on top, good ground and pound. He's got two subs on his record too. I love flyweight. I mean, I think it's the perfect way to start off the year. Start with you know the always the most entertaining division, you know, action wise. You know, not storylines, not a lot of big personalities in the division, but 
you know, and not, you know, most knockouts, but it's going to be an exciting fight. Before tape study, I was all over that. Like this, oh my God, this is, this is, these two levels. But I like what I've seen from Bunez. Uh, I'm still going to go with Van. Uh, he presses the action. He works the body. He's younger. He's at the age where he can still make huge jumps and improvement. While Bunez, he's been out for a year, so that's concerning. You know, UFC debuts always, you always want to have to react to that. And he's also could just get old overnight, especially at flyweight. If you lose even the, a little bit of a speed, you know, going to be the disadvantage. So uh, I like the site. I'm going to go with Van. I'll say Van was my unanimous decision. Yeah, I I agree with you in that the tape on Bunez tells a different story than the raw numbers do, uh, at least through what we know of him, which, again, it's been almost a full year since we've seen him. Uh, but, yeah, he's he seems to, you know, at least a year ago at 33, seemed to be still very athletic explosive uh you look at his record and he's got a lot more submissions than knockouts but at least in his more recent run uh his power has really come to the forefront he has the kind of punching power that not a whole lot of guys at uh flyweight do i'm with you in that i'd feel more comfortable about the upset potential here if it hadn't been a full year off for bunez because this is a, a division where pushing towards your mid thirties, the fall off come at any, at any point. And it, it could come at, at any point, you know, in that division or the ones next to it. I mean, uh, I can't think of his name, so I, I, I won't even make the comparison. Uh, Van, I was cautiously high on Van when he joined the UFC. Uh, he being a local guy to me, a, a Houston guy, a fury guy, uh, I'd seen all of his fights on the way up. And I was very high on him as a prospect, but when he got signed, I was concerned that it was a little too soon just because he'd been blowing through for the most part, very overmatched fighters very quickly. And I wondered about his gas tank. He's a guy with a, a, a high work rate, a lot of explosive movements, and he's a pretty big guy for flyweight. He, I mean, he's got a lot of muscle on his frame. So his fights with Jumagulov and Borjas have actually made me feel better about that because he's shown that he, he can go at least three rounds with people who are putting up resistance. He can go, I mean, he has a plan B against fighters that he can't just ro run over and smash with a flying knee in a minute and a half. Uh, against Borjas, you mentioned the, the body work he put in. Body work in general is a gesture of faith in your ability to go later rounds in the fight. For the most part, that is an investment in attrition. It's, it's like going heavy on the leg kicks. There is an implication that you know this fight is going to go past the middle of the second round and you're putting in work that will pay off later. Uh, that's a sign of maturity, and that's what I, I like out of a 22-year-old like Van. So even though the, the torrent of highlight reel finishes has dried up thus far in the UFC, I'm actually more confident in his long-term upside in the division after these first two fights. I think he gets it done against Bunas here as well. But, I mean, there are a lot of question marks hanging out there. If Bunas is the, the same guy that wiped those last couple dudes in LFA, we're going to have a serious fight on our hands. Um, if he's fallen off at all, I think that just makes that much easier work for Van. I've got Van by decision as well here. And all I'm hoping for is to ring in the new year with a great fight. Any worry about the uh, short notice for Van? Uh, well, not, not too worried, but... 
not to, well it's a question mark on his side because again you know i've been pleasantly surprised by his gas tank at 125 this makes that more difficult but it's kind of balanced by the question mark on the other side with Bunas. how does he look after not just the injury or injuries that kept him on the shelf for all of 2023 but even his last fight in lfa that title defense was delayed at least once because he got injured back in LFA. So he may just be turning into, I still can't remember the guy's name. So I once again will not make the comparison. Let's say Hedinburgh. No, uh, Honey Barcelos. I was thinking flyweight Honey Barcelos. But just too late, like got the call too late. Got the call too late and then suddenly looked slow and gassed out and kind of chinny overnight. And if, that if might Bunis, be bonus. If Bonus wins on the recap show, we're gonna have to compare him to every all the people in the division. Just so, Petri. Yeah, exactly. Just gonna run right up the <laughs> run right up the ladder. We'll do, we'll do it in his honor. Next up on the UFC Fight Night 234 prelims is a lightweight matchup between Nicholas Mota and Tom Nolan. Mota, the 30-year-old Brazilian, is 13-5 and five with one no contest overall. He is 1-2 and two with one no contest since joining the UFC out of Season 4 of Dana White's Contender Series. That one no contest came in his last appearance. He fought at UFC Fight Night Allen versus Craig back in November, was pretty much on his way to losing to Trey Ogden, but the fight was stopped prematurely. Uh, the ref thought Mota was out, Ogden was choking him, Turned into a, a no contest. You can argue that both guys were robbed, but if you ask me, the one who was more robbed was Ogden because he was, again, even if that choke didn't finish, he was pretty close to just winning a, an uncontroversial yeah, decision. Yeah, yeah the it, it was Sure Dog's robbery of the year for 2023. Yeah. But hold on a second, I, that that I have a big big gripe with. Oh, okay, hit me. Uh, I believe the robbery of the year was me losing in the fantasy football championship for the third time now as the number one seed. I think it's three times I've been the one seed, and I yep. just I can't I can't win the championship. Keith and I, I have won. both been in the Sherdog fantasy staff fantasy football league for six years now. Keith has come no, in no, second no. three no, five I've been there for four years. Four years. Wow, and you've I come in second three, three times years. in four years. Yeah, Ooh. and you and you and you, uh, you beat me two of those this time. Yeah, uh, this time it wasn't you. But yeah, I I haven't even made the playoffs <laughs> since then. So yeah, <laughs> Keith, the you know the 1990s Buffalo Bills of the. Oh, Chicago. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a good team. I had a better team. But hey, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Uh, I got, I, I go Remember the first time we played? I know no one cares about this. Is terrible. No one, nobody cares about your fantasy football league other than you and the guys in your league. But yeah. I had me and Ben were playing the very first time he beat me. I was up by over a hundred points, and Ben yeah. somehow he had like four players and they left or something like three players and they all went berserk. <laughs> so it, I, I lost a hundred point lead. <laughs> it was rough, man. Oh. Uh, uh, well. It, this was it was a robbery to Ogden. It was a gift to Mota because if he lost that, he's one and three in his first four in the UFC. There's a possibility he gets cut, but he gets another chance. They don't bother to remake the Ogden fight. I think the UFC matchmakers sort of tacitly acknowledged that they knew how the fight was going to go if they remade it. And instead, he gets the debuting Nolan. Uh, 23-year-old Aussie is a perfect 6-0 and as a professional mixed martial artist. He... Uh, will be making his debut. He knocked out Bogdan Grad on the Contender Series last August to punch his ticket to the big octagon here. 
in recognition of how Malta has looked and how Nolan has looked, uh, Nolan is a prohibitive favorite here. He is minus 300, Malta plus 260. Man, I will tell you this. I I don't know what Tom Nolan's ultimate upside is, but I think there's every possibility that he is not long for the lightweight division. Like he's shown some good flashes, but he is absolutely humongous. Uh, He immediately steps in as one of the biggest guys in the division. He's 6'2". He's not skinny. He's on that kind of Ignacio Bamondes, Joel Alvarez type thing where he's 23 now give him a couple years he might be a large uh welterweight uh things i like about tom nolan he's not super fast like when you're that big you know you're you're gonna come across a little slow compared to small compact uh lightweights but (laughs) i'll say it What I like about this guy is that he's not fast. Okay, I'm waiting for the All right, sorry, not fast. If this, were, if this were a written sentence, there'd be like 30 words and then comma, but. Okay. <laughs> comma, what but. My fighter is that he's not tough, but. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not fast. And even on the regional level, he had trouble keeping smaller, quicker fighters on the outside. So he doesn't necessarily try to fight that way. He's developed good inside weapons. On the Contender Series, he crushed Bogdan Grad with a short right hand. Um, so I think that kind of spells good success against Malta because Malta is, he is a small, compact, muscular, athletic, lightweight, who thus far has mostly been having to do his work, trying to bounce into range and land kill shots against taller fighters, you know, Cameron Van Camp, Manuel Torres, Trey Ogden, all taller, rangier fighters than him. And that's not going to be a safe place for him against Nolan. And our introduction to Nicholas Mota, at least in the UFC, was him getting lamped by Jim Miller. Uh, I think this is just a bad matchup. Well, okay, most UFC lightweights have been bad matchups for Nicholas Mota so far, but... Nolan in particular, if Malta does his usual thing, you know, does some feints, bounces around, then tries to bounce in and uh, land big punches, I think Nolan's going to be there to meet him with either with inside punches of his own or knees or just grabbing the clinch and punishing him from there. I think Malta gets knocked out in the first round. And it's a shame because he's entertaining. And I think there are dudes in the division he could actually beat. But, uh, you know, it's lightweight. They're not hard up for people. You know, it's the law of the jungle. This might be Mota's, uh, I, this might be Mota's swan, swan song with the promotion. I don't know. But I think Nolan knocks him out in the first round. And, and I think it's uh, probably a knockout of the night type candidate. Yeah. I mean, Nicholas Mota, yeah, he's he's lucky to be in the situation he is that, you know, that he's not, that his last fight was a no contest. He was he was one of those ways losing. Uh, I still think there's a chance that Ogden was going to just finish session this and but. Uh, what I like about Mona, he's a pretty solid striker, uh, though he can be low output at times. Uh, when he's throwing his hands, he works behind the jabs. He avoids strikes with, with pretty solid head movement. But the big issue I have is I just don't trust his chin. I mean, he does been knocked out a lot. I mean, I mean Jim Miller knocked him out. Uh, um, Manel Torres knocked him out. He's got some pop himself. Uh, I like that he works the body. 
uh, big kicking game, strong high kick, uh, can battle in the Muay Thai clinch, work the body with knees, but not much of an offensive wrestler, a weak defensive wrestler, struggles to get off the bottom, doesn't have a submission on his record. And and besides, and this is another reason why I, I didn't like, you know, I mean, besides Ogden being way ahead and, and <clears throat> you know, having a submission in and all this, Moda was also gassed at that point too. So like for the chance of him coming back when he showed that he was really tied in the third round was was not looking good for a guy, you know, pinned against the cage in the submission. Uh, you know, there's a lot to like about Nolan. He's only 23 years old. He's a, you mentioned, he's a big dude, long length, 6'3", you know. Uh, they, they said this on the Contender Series, and I don't, I don't know who fact checks what people say. You know, it's it's not um, it's not like UFC nine days where like a taxi driver says he was uh, two hundred and no on the streets. <laughs> I don't think it's that bad. But so I don't know jack shit about rugby. Like obviously I'm American. Uh, I, I mean I I I know they're and I'm not trying to bash rugby. I know they're extremely athletic, extremely freaking badass, tough ass dudes from Australia, you know, yeah. and, and, and New Zealand and other parts of the world that play rugby. They said that he was on his way to become a professional rugby player uh, until he changed his focus to MMA. Like, shout out, to, I don't know if we have any listeners in, in Australia. It'd be pretty dope if we do, uh, especially with the time difference. They're probably like, <laughs> somehow, it's behind, somehow it's after the day yeah. of the event. <laughs> You know, uh, they were watching it, uh, the time change, but, um, how does it work? Is it like, is it like the NFL? Like, is there drafts? Is there like you play in college and then you move on? Is there like a league with like, with, you know, 30 teams or something? Like, I don't know how it works. I'm, I'm just, I know it's very popular. So I know I sound like an idiot. I, I know it's extremely popular in that side of the world and other parts of the world. I'm assuming it's very hard to become a professional rugby player. At least sure. at the highest level. Yeah, I'm assuming it's like trying to make it to the NFL. Like it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just, you never hear, you'd hear guys in, in, you know, maybe it's because of the culture change. Like you never hear someone say, yeah, I was on my way to become a, like I was going to get drafted, you know, and I was going to play for, you know, the Patriots or the Bills or something. And then go, yeah, and I just, you know, I decided like, nah, I don't want to get drafted and make a million dollars. I'm going to, I'm going to do MMA instead. Like, no, what happens is you no longer can play in, in the NFL. You get caught, you know, the yeah. handful of guys who go into MMA and then you go to MMA. You don't like say, nah, I'm not going to do that. Now, I don't know how much money rugby players, but I'm assuming the top rugby players make more than MMA. It's just, what a bullshit story. I just don't believe that story. <laughs> There at least has to be more to it that we don't know. If you are listening right now and you know lots about rugby, get at one of us. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us in the comments of the YouTube video. Uh, I'll I'll pop onto a call and talk with you about it a little bit, and we can have a a, a rugby based update on you know on our next show. And and on the flip side, if if Tom Nolan is like that badass in rugby, and he really was going to play at the highest level. And he decided to go to me, like, I'm sorry. I, I will publicly apologize if, if we can get, like, but but is it, like, is it, like, the guy who played in high school and then he, like, plays in the semi-pro league? Like, like what the fuck does that mean, semi-pro? <laughs> like, semi-pro, like, football league, and then you find out it's, like, oh, you mean, like, they play football and they still Yeah, well, kind of like, like we go – 
when somebody's referred to as an all-American wrestler and you and I go, well, NAIA all-American, yeah, yeah, you know. Or like, oh, yeah, other people, like, people say, oh, national champion in wrestling, like, like a high, high school national champion, like, oh, like, you went to a tournament, they called that, like, yeah. uh, like, like, didn't go to the Beast East, didn't go to Powerade, like, you didn't go to Fargo, <laughs> like, you won, like, Virginia Beach National, like, like, oh, cool. like it's still a good tournament, but come on. Yeah. I remember there was this kid from Rhode Island. He took second in Rhode Island. And then he went to Virginia Beach Nationals and won and was going around claiming to be a national champion. Like, national champ is second in Rhode Island. And I'm like, okay, all right. Um, I just don't put the story. I'm sorry. I don't put the story. Anyways, back to uh, that said, I like what I've seen of this kid. Uh, high volume striker. You mentioned, like, I, I actually think his hands are faster than, than you said. I actually think he has pretty fast hands. Um, accurate. He's got good power. He's got hard kicks. I haven't seen too much of his ground, uh, but when I've like I saw some highlights of his ground and pound, and, and he looks mean. I mean, just those long legs. I mean, long arms and legs. It's always hard to block. I don't trust Moda's chin. I mean, no one hits hard. Uh, yeah, this is a big step up in competition. I just think he gets it done. I say he catches Moda, you know, with a chin late in the first round. Um, yeah, give me, give me, give me Nolan by first round TKO. Um, what I would love if he does some like rugby moves, like he sh- like tackles them or, or what's it when they, what do they do? What's it called when they like just clash heads and smash on oh, like, the shoulders? The, sc- the, the scrum? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like there's just a big gang of them that are... someone out with that. Just like freaking boom and hit him with the shoulder and knock him out. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I'm not trying to dog just for the record. Cause like, cause listen. There's two things you can't do. You can, ne- as an American, you can never ever bash rugby because right away they're going to say, oh my God, uh, we, we play football without pads. Like, yeah, cool. Cool. You guys, yeah. Good. Go get hit by uh, TJ Watt. No, uh, you know, <laughs> you don't want to wear pads. Uh, <laughs> uh, but they, they'll come at you. They'll come at you. They got to come at you. I, I'm, I, I respect rugby. I, I would actually, I think it'd be really entertaining to watch. Like, I'd probably really like it. If it was, you know, if it was American, I knew. Like, I would love to watch American players play rugby against each other. Not like, I understand. Like, I understand if yeah. the freaking Dolphins went to Australia, they get fucking worked. I get it. But I don't think they get worked as bad as if Australian team came to NFL and played <laughs> in the football game. But whatever. Uh, um, but I get it. Like, they would get crushed. But I would love to watch, like, like the Patriots and the Dolphins play a rugby game, like that would be fun as hell. If I knew who the players were and shit, hell yeah. <laughs> um, that's one thing you do. But even worse, even worse, is any soccer fans. You can't even make a playful jab at a soccer. They will come out of nowhere. They will come out of everywhere. How much money they make and global sports this and our third world country cares about this art, whatever. We head now to the featherweight division and a matchup between Weston Wilson and Gene Silva. Wilson, the 34-year-old Utah, is 16-8 and overall. He is 0-1 in the UFC. Made his debut last July at the Strickland versus Magomedov uh, fight night card. Got knocked out by Joe Anderson Brito in the first round. He will look to get in the win column here against the debuting Silva. Uh, Silva, 27-year-old Brazilian, is 11-2 overall. He appeared on the Contender Series last September, where he took a unanimous decision over Kevin Vallejos to earn a spot in uh, 
in the UFC, although I don't believe he was signed immediately. He is here as a fill-in for Gabriel Santos, who uh, withdrew from this fight with an injury. So he's uh, stepping in here against Wilson. Despite the fact that he is a replacement fighter, he is the biggest favorite on the card, and he... I mean, there's a possibility he's the biggest favorite you'll see all year in the UFC. Uh, if not, he's certainly going to be in the top five as he is minus 800, Wilson plus 550 on the comeback. And I can tell you exactly why. I mean, I'm glad that Weston Wilson made it to the UFC. Um, I lived in Utah when he fought there. I, I've been to his gym. I, I Like, I've been to 4-7 Training Center. I, I think uh, Jason Mertlick is yeah. uh, low-key, might be... I think he might be the, you know, the best coach working in Utah right now. Um, he didn't live in Utah, though. He's from South Carolina, right? Um, I, yeah, he's, I do not. He's the boxing guy. Yeah. You know, um, you know what's funny? He looks like he should live in Utah. Like, he looks uh, like a Mormon. Like, if I think oh, of a Mormon, dude, that's what I think of Western no, he, Very, very much so. It, it'd be easy for him to blend right in with the Utahns. He, he looks Utah as hell. Uh, he I, looks like the guy who came door to door trying to sell me solar panels this week. Like, that's what he looks like. He doesn't look like an MMA fighter. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes. And, dude, Mormons, when they get home from their mission, they spent two years knocking on doors, selling Jesus. A lot of them go into door, door to door sales because they're like, I've already got these skills. Yeah. That, that, that's 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 Jesus. Uh, hopefully, if hopefully, Weston Wilson. Is, are the ones who believe Jesus like lived in America or some shit? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Mormons yeah, believe Jesus well, was, a, if, was American. Uh, you can sell me some solar panels too. Yeah. yeah I'm, well, I mean, Mormons believe that Jesus came to America and visited people here after he okay. died and was resurrected. I'm not bashing people. I'm only joking. I'm not. Don't please. I, I do not mean to bash people's cult religion. I mean, sorry, religion. Um, <laughs> Uh, listen, don't come at me, uh, Zuma Gulov with your nine wives. I yeah, know, he's not Mormon. He's not I, Mormon I but... I, guys, don't come at me. I voted for Mitt Romney. So he 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 fit right in. Yeah, Zuma Gulov, terrible haircut, multiple wives. He he fit right in. I love uh, Mormons. I hope that Weston Wilson has something like like that to fall back on because he's not UFC material like it's cool that, that he made it but and getting plunked by joe anderson brito that there's no shame there joe anderson brito is a very good fighter he hits really hard but we're also talking about a, a guy that a year or two ago got knocked out by the ghost of teruto ishihara who was kind of a mediocre bantamweight wilson's problem is he is huge for featherweight i mean he's like six one he's i mean he's not Tom Nolan, he, he's not a giant, you know, it's a little more of the tall, skinny type, but he is slow, slow, slow. And it translates itself into vulnerabilities on the feet. And he's not a great offensive striker either. He's been, he racks up a ton of submissions in, on the regional scene, but even there, it's usually like he doesn't have reliable ways to get the fight to the ground. He's not a good wrestler. So it involves him taking some damage on the feet, pulling guard, hoping, you know, or getting, trying to get trips and, and, and throws out of the clinch, hoping, you know, to find kind of collisions that turn into scrambles. And this is all danger zone because he doesn't have great defense on the feet and his, like his chin is kind of suspect. He, he only has two losses by knockout, but he gets hurt a lot. 
and he's going to get someone in Silva who, if nothing else, is fast, aggressive, and and hits hard. I, I think Wilson's chin is just kind of kind of be in the shooting gallery here. I'm thinking he gets knocked out in the first round. Maybe he makes it to the second round. If this thing gets to the to the floor with Wilson still in command of his senses, it becomes interesting from there. Uh, he does have a very tricky guard. Uh, he's good at sweeping. He's good at taking the back. He's got those long limbs where he can kind of threaten with chokes from unexpected angles. I just, I, I don't think he's going to get into a position to be able to leverage those things. I, I think Wilson loses by first round knockout here. Yeah, I was, while you were talking, we were talking about movies. I think the guy was Mormon. Um, did you see that movie, Hacksaw Ridge? I think we recently talked about this, didn't we? Wait, which movie? Hacksaw Ridge. I don't think we talked about it. Or if we did, yeah, I, I, I don't remember. Yeah, maybe I talked to somebody else. I thought it was you. First of all, it's another war movie. Unbelievable. Okay. Which war? Uh, World War II. Uh, okay. It's incredible. I'm not, I don't want to give it away. It's one of the... It was one of those movies where I was watching it, especially the end, and going, how the hell did it take like 70 years for this story to become a movie? And, you know, and why, did, why have I never heard of this guy before? Anyways, it's an incredible movie. It's, it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. Um, but I think, is, is Seven Day Advent, that's not, that's not Mormon, right? It's not, that's a, that's a different religion. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> I think he might have been that, but he might have been Mormon. I'm not sure. But anyways, it's, 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 Check out that movie if you did get a chance after you finish watching the wire. Okay. Um, this fight, I mean, Weston Wilson, he's 34 years old. It's like, how do you have confidence in the guy that's 34? That was, I mean, he, he was a regional journeyman, that's what he was, yeah, and got the call right place right now. Good for him, like, cool. Rest of the life, you could say he's a UFC fighter, cool. Like, I'm not trying to like send that mean, like, yeah, that's that's, that's a hell of a college you know, there is some things he does well. He's a southpaw. He moves well. He has this karate style. He hangs his hands low, but but not like Stephen Thompson. He doesn't have it. I mean, he comes with the same thing, but not way, way, way down. He holds him up a little. Still too, too low for my liking. Uh, he likes spinning attacks, but he's not as fast. He doesn't move as well as, as <coughs> even like a 40-something-year-old Stephen Thompson. And uh, you got to be worried about his chin. I mean, he ate some of the meanest shots from Jordan Sabrina when he was on the ground. Uh, probably a little bit of a late stoppage, ate too many shots than he should have. Now he wants to get to the fight to the ground, which is funny, being that he you know trains with Stephen Thompson, uh, but he's not a wrestler. He he's, he doesn't have a lot of takedowns, not you know, a lot of takedown skills. Uh, he has a submission there. I'll give him that. He's got tons of subs on his record. Yeah, uh, and, and and you know he likes subs off his back and stuff, but he also like put about you know in a bad position to get blasted by Duran Sabrina. Now now. Gene Silva, he's a striker. He moves well. Uh, he likes to kind of sit on the outside and then burst into the pocket and, and, and throw shots, but he can be wild. He also hands, yeah, he keeps his hands really low. Uh, good power, though, eight KOs, but he loads up a lot. And, and he hates being pressured back. He wants to, you know, he wants to get in the pocket and unload. That's where he does his best. I like his elbows. I like his knees inside. I like his step in knees. Uh, pretty quick high kick. Solid take down. That's what I've seen. He's got two subs. Uh, but one thing I really like about him is his cardio. Like on the contender series fight, he went all three rounds. Uh, actually, they lost. The, I mean, he, I think the judges scored against him in the first round, but he didn't tire in the third round. I mean, he was throwing power the entire fight. So uh, Silva being a negative eight hundred favorite, I think, is crazy. 
I think the guy has some serious, serious holes. Uh, I could see Wilson catching him in a submission. Uh, if, you know, we're, the, we're not a bank show. We said this 10,000 times. If, this is for, if, you, if you're like, if, if your New Year's resolution was like, hey, I want to do MMA betting and, and, and follow a podcast for rights, like you picked the wrong one. Um, <laughs> um <laughs> you might pick the wrong one for a couple couple of reasons, uh, but if that is the reason, you definitely picked the wrong one. Um, but I would sprinkle a little on Wilson at, at those odds because it, it's it's no confidence in Wilson. Like I, I don't think he's in UFC level, but I think Gene Silva's low level UFC. Like I don't see somebody that I'm really huge about. Like that's why I'm shocked. Like I, I agree what you said that this isn't about Gene Silva being so good, more of a while everybody hates Weston Wilson. Uh, but, like, I still, for me to have a guy be negative 800, I still, like, that's got to be a prospect. still got to be a prospect that I want to. It's got to be, like, A and B, not just A. That said, I really wanted to take Wilson. Um, I didn't know he was that big of an <laughs> underdog. Um, because, like, pre-tape pre -tape study, I was like, oh, Wilson sucks, I'm you know, I definitely got to go with, with this other guy. But then I watched the guy. I, I didn't like what I saw. But I'm still going to say Silva catches him. I'll say Wilson. And Wilson's still too hittable. I said Silva catches him with a flurry. And when he gets in the pocket, it just overwhelms him. I'll say I'll say Silva by second round to go. Bantamweights take the cage next as Farid Basharat looks to keep his record perfect against Taylor Lapalus. Uh, Basharat, the 26-year-old, is a perfect 11-0 as a professional mixed martial artist. He is 2-0 since joining the UFC out of season six of Dana White's Contender Series. He has wins thus far over Damon Blackshear and Clagis and Rodriguez. The most recent of those, the Rodriguez fight, was back in September at the Gone versus Spivak fight night. He won via late first-round submission. He'll look to make it three in a row against the uh, resurgent Lapalus. Uh, Lapalus, 31-year-old Frenchman. He is 19-3 and three overall. He's 4-1 and one overall in the UFC. This is his second time around. He went 3-1 and one in his first stint with the promotion, was let go 3-1 uh, and one, and even off a win. He went back to Europe, won titles in both Aries FC and TKO, got signed again. He made his return fight back at the uh, same Gone versus Spivak card, taking a unanimous decision over Cullen Loughran. He is a substantial underdog. Basharat is minus 280, Lopoulos plus 225. There are two things that I know about Taylor Lopoulos. One is that he's a pretty damn good fighter. He, he showed himself to be definitively at least UFC material his first time around like three or four years ago, went and won a couple of respectable regional titles, came back and, uh, you know, went right back to winning fights. I can also kind of sort of see why the UFC let him go because it shouldn't be possible to be this boring a fighter at men's bantamweight. Like, it's pretty impressive. Like, the, the comparisons between him and Surreal Gone, I, I understand wh where they come from because, you know, they're both from the same gym. They're both black French dudes. They both are entertaining or not, depending on what kind of fight their opponent forces upon them. I mean, tell me if you think he's got any <clears throat> chance against Basharat here. Tell me if you think Basharat's the real deal or just someone who hasn't fought the right guy yet. Um, no, I think he's the real deal. Like, I, I think he's one of the best prospects in MMA. Um, I, I think he I mean, is. <clears throat> 
I mean, Damon Blackshear and Clages and Rodriguez are both good fighters. Yeah, exactly. He, I, Blackshear yeah. is super underrated. Yeah. Like, he's a guy that I wasn't high on coming to the UFC, and he's a brute. He just impressed me overall. He's just one of those – he's he's that guy that's, you know, it, it, you know, if you're a wrestling tournament, he's in the weight class. I, I remember there's this this guy I wrestled back in the day uh, from Warwick. <laughs> he wasn't great, but it was just like, man, I'm, I'm better than this guy. I know I'm going to win. But it's gonna suck the whole time. Like, like, like he's all thing I'm gonna do. I'm, I'm not gonna hit the first time. I'm gonna shoot. He's gonna make me work. I'm gonna shoot. I'm gonna make it work. And like, I'm gonna beat the guy. It's gonna but, be three to one, and you're gonna be tired. And yeah, yeah, I'm gonna win seven to two. But it's like, um, <laughs> I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna be tired the whole time. It's gonna be, you know, he's gonna hit me with cross faces. He's gonna like every time I think I'm gonna take him down, he's gonna throw his hip and pop back up and. Just, like that's Blackshear. Like he's just—he's never going to be a contender. But every time you fight him, he's going to be like, "This is going to suck." Um, so yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I think I think Basra is is very technically sound, flows well in in, in both stances. Good footwork, very elusive, uh, elusive, but but very relaxed and and calculated. Uh, good volume. Uses feints to set his shots while he's accurate. I love that he doubles up the jab, and go, goes down to the body. He seems to be a guy like he, he's working his body a lot recently. It's just every time I see him, it's just like adding more things that to my list of notes that he does well, which I love. Um, mean calf kicks. Throws a lot of them um, when he's in the southpaw stance. The biggest issue I've had him is the one glaring weakness I've had about him, and and I'm, I'm hoping to change his notes. And as he ages, this could be the case. If he doesn't have true one punch, land this shot, fight over, uh, that that could keep him from the elite. Uh, and that's simply because he, he really doesn't sit on his punches. Um, he still has some defensive holes too, though. Uh, stands a little too tall for my liking. But he's a very good wrestler. Great timing on his reactionary double. Gets inside. Uh, also, he can use his length to grab like some snatch singles and stuff. Gets the fight to the ground, good smothering top control, mean ground and pound. He has submission. He's got five record, he five subs on his record, and and I'm impressed by his cardio. Like he he can go hard all 15 minutes, you know. Lapless southpaw, really good a striker. Uh, I, I think I'm a little higher on his strike than you are. Like, uh, well, it's funny. <clears throat> I think I'm higher on his. I don't think he's his. I don't think he's that bar. <laughs> that said, I think you're hard on him than I am. And what I mean by that is, like, we have our, our favorite type of fighters. I love, I love wrestling boxers. Sure. You know, um, wrestling is such a passion for me. You know, I, I coach, I was, you to probably tell from my voice today, I was at wrestling tournament all day long, yelling and screaming. Um, it's, it's always, it's always going to be my, my, my love. Um, you love guys that, fought in the UFC, gets cut, and earns, not just like right place, right time, but actually earns their way back in the UFC and wins. Like, you love that story. Sure. Yeah, it's cool. Like, you, uh, like, like Sean, Sean Strickland, you were like pumping him up way before it was popular. Like, you were yeah. on the, like, this guy has turned his career around before anybody, before he was in the top 10, before he was, you know, headlining, and then obviously before I got the upset. So, I'll give you a lot of credit for that. You were you were on that train way before anybody else was. 
Um, so go back and check check the records and see if I'm wrong when he was fighting with the prelims coming back. Um, anyway, back to this guy, uh, Lapos. Uh, I, th- I think he's a little bit of a sniper. I think he's very calculated. Uh, I, I think his volume has improved, and that's what one of the improvements since he's come back to the UFC. Uh, it's fast hands, uh, good jab. Uh, I love his straight left uh, from the southpaw stance. Uh, he sets up his shot well because he's he's kind of long and he uses the hand fighting uh, really well, which you don't see a lot of strikers do. Uh, good kicking game, hard, hard leg kicks, uh, though he will throw some naked leg kicks. Uh, he also makes a mistake of backing straight up on the center line and, and lacking head movement, kind of trusting to, to beat his opponent, opponent to, the, to the point of contact. Um, good dirty boxing. He can wrestle a little bit. Uh, he used to be a really bad defense wrestler. I will say his takedown defense has improved, but I'm still worried about it. Uh, but he's, he's got some. He's got six submission wins. I, I think this fight is fire. Not, not in the sense, like, I agree. Like, I don't know if it's going to be a bomb burner, rock him, sock him, but I just think, I mean, you know, it, it's not a slam dunk for Brasher. I, I do think Brasher's a rising star, but I also think Labo is one of the most underrated guys on the entire roster. And I know you feel the same way. Yeah. Uh, if, if this if this fight remains on the feet, I give Labo a real shot. Uh, I could even see one winning by KO if he, if he catches, you know, right, or maybe lands a liver kick or something like that. But he could also get worked on the feet, you know, and, and especially because we've seen Bashara adding to like I've seen you know, jab him up or kicking his legs out. But that's not why I'm going Bashara. It's I can't ignore that Bashara has such a wide margin in the wrestling, not as big as it used to be. You know, that was the Achilles heel of Blacklist. But I'm I'm going to say Bashara still goes to the wrestling and goes over well. Yeah, it goes to that well over and over again. I've seen him out wrestle better wrestlers than Lapalus, and I can't see why he wouldn't just go that right again. So give me Bash up by decision. Yeah, I you've definitely uh you, you definitely nailed me there on one of my favorite types of fighter to talk about. And that, that's fighters who uh get written off and turn a corner, whether in the UFC, just guys that get buried on the prelims or ones that literally have to leave and, and come back. Lapalus is one of those. And man, I spent a couple of years there because uh, he continued to improve after he left the UFC. Some some guys, when they get cut from the UFC, especially if it's kind of unexpectedly, the, you see him and they end up going like four and 11 in their next 15 fights. And they start fighting every six weeks. Cause they just start cashing whatever checks they can as a former UFC guy. He was never that guy. He went and won titles in two respectable promotions, fighting good guys every time, like Nate Manis, Wilson Hayes, Josh Hill, like all arguably as good a fighter as, as he was fighting in the UFC his first time around. And you're right in that, He's improved, but he's improved incrementally. There, there aren't any huge new wrinkles. It's not like 2013 Vitor Belfort where all of a sudden he's just roided up and killing everyone with head kicks. It's just being a little more urgent, throwing a little better volume, getting a little better takedown defense. Uh, it is unfortunate that he's fighting someone in Basharat where those incremental improvements probably aren't going to show very much. Uh, because, yeah, Improved wrestling or not, I don't think it's going to be enough to stop Basharat from getting things to the ground. There's always the chance he could catch Basharat clean and hurt him bad with something, but that's really the outside chance. I understand why the odds are what they are here. In fact, I think it's probably about accurate to say Basharat should be a two and a half to one, three to one favorite here. I say Basharat wins a decision. I mean, 
Lapalus has a good gas tank. He's he can be taken down and held down, but he's been historically pretty hard to hurt. So I think this goes all 15 minutes. Uh, but yeah, Basharat by decision sounds right to me as well. Yeah. Uh, ben loves the the comeback stories, uh, you know, the returning home. <laughs> as you say that, I was thinking about this video I saw once. You ever see that video? It's it's like, it looks like it was from like the 80s, maybe maybe early 90s, where, where it was... Uh, I say maybe one or maybe even two guys like raised a, like lions at home and then they let them out in the like the safari. You ever see this video? Yeah, and when the and lions they, see him again after X number of years, they just yes. come and like basically. Okay, see that. Yeah. If you haven't seen that video, like Google it. So this is the surprise. Yeah. yeah, no, no, this is a reaction from between Ben and me. Uh, this I'll give I'll give you other guys. No spoiler. This like freaking happened like forty years ago. Some <laughs> shit. Uh, these I don't know these guys raised little what do you call them Pup, puppy lions cubs. Or whatever. Cubs. cubs okay yeah. and 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 then i don't know somehow one time let him out in the africa or wherever yeah. lions go and and somehow they came back and they knew where they were and and, and so i'm like like three years later but they're like fully grown big ass i don't know 800 pound lions <laughs> and these lions come running over to them and they wreck somehow they recognize them and they're jumping on him and hugging him. And so this would be the different, this is the reaction from Ben and me. This is Ben. Oh my God, that's so sweet. He's crying. Me, I'm like, what the fuck are you hugging a lion for? Run away. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> I, every time I've seen the video like 30 times and every time I'm like, oh my God, why am I watching this? Is they going to get bitten by a lion? <laughs> am I going to watch this? Yes. Is is so the question is 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 will will uh <laughs> will Bachelorette get bitten by the lion that is Lapalos? <laughs> the lion Lapalos. We stay in the bantamweight division for the next fight. It is a clash between Marcus McGee and Gaston Bolaños. McGee, the 33-year-old MMA lab product, is eight and one overall. He's 2-0 in the UFC, made his debut last April. Since then, he has a submission win over Journey Newsom and a knockout win over J.P. Bays. The most recent of those was uh, the Bays fight at UFC on ESPN, Luque versus Dos Anjos in August. He will look to make it three in a row, and at least in my book, meant one of the more surprising successful uh, UFC runs in recent memory against Bolaños. Uh Bolaños, 31-year-old Californian, is 7-3 overall. He is 1-0 in the UFC. Prior to that, he had spent his entire uh, professional career as one of Bellator's quieter uh, homegrown prospects, but he went 6-3 in Bellator, made his UFC debut in April, uh, taking a unanimous decision over Aaron Phillips. They meet here. McGee is a comfortable favorite. He's minus 275, Bolaños plus 225. Keith, I don't super believe in either of these guys. Uh, I mean, McGee is 2-0 in the UFC, but he has wins over Journey Newsom and J.P. Bays. Bolaños is 1-0 in the UFC with a win over Aaron Phillips, who I believe re-retired immediately after the fight. This is about as smoke and mirrors as you can get in the UFC bantamweight division. I, I don't think either of them has a ton of upside. They're both on the wrong side of 30 already. Yeah. I mean, it should be a fun fight. 
like they're both pretty aggressive on the feet. They both have pretty good power for the division and they both have enough defensive lapses that the other guy is going to get a chance to put that power on their chin. I know Bolaños is a big underdog here. I'm not getting why because on top, well, I, I will say one thing. McGee can probably take him down if he wants as well. So there's a whole other avenue of victory there, avenue to victory that, that's open to him there. I have the feeling that both these guys are just going to kind of swing for the fences and, and fight for the fight for the 50 G fight of the night bonus. I'm going to say McGee wins by second round TKO, but I have no confidence in that pick. And I don't think Bolaños should be a greater than two to one underdog here. Like neither of these guys is super high level. And of the two of them, Bolaños is younger and, you know, has less tread off the tires. But yeah, I'll give me McGee in this one. Yeah, at least get the haircut. So, he's, he's got, <laughs> McGee's haircut's terrible. Uh, yeah, Bolaños, I agree with a lot, everything you said as, as far as like their upside, especially based on their ages. And, uh, Bolaños is, was a guy that I was really surprised to be added to the UFC after, you know, runs that he had prior to that like not, not someone i expected but um he, he is an action player like he is fun like, he can oh, yeah. both he, he, he moves well he's a good distance striker he cuts angles well um fights behind a high guard fast hands i'd say plus power i mean he got six knockouts uh he likes spinning attacks uh though he does spin like way too much yeah i'm not a big spinning guy i, I I've, for every freaking i don't know sh- dude i mean shonikata <laughs> It's it's the heel hook of striking. Yeah, it, it, it but, doesn't work very often, and it only works for uh, a few people. And everyone else puts themselves in worse positions by doing it. Yeah, it's a freaking headlock in, in like kids wrestling. Yeah, or or yeah, women's yeah. MMA. <laughs> yeah, 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 like or like the kid on bottom reaches back and should get half pinned, but so, the other kid sucks worse, and he ends up on top. And you're like, oh great, he just won that match, but the next five times he's on bottom, he's gonna reach back. Like, um, it's like he won, but he didn't. He actually lost now. Um, a pretty good kicking game by going back to Bologna. Uh, pretty good kicking game. Uh, good teep kicks, good calf kicks. Uh, he will wrestle a little bit, but but not a wrestler by any means. I mean, uh, he, he's, he's a guy that would reach back. <laughs> wrestling. Um, weak defensive wrestler, struggles to get off the bottom. Uh, he did show some submission defense against Aaron Phillips, which is which is good. Uh, McGee, what I like about him, yeah, like you definitely don't like his age, you know, coming in the UFC. But he's got all wins by stoppage. He's he's a southpaw, pressure striker, you know, kickboxer. Uh, moves well. He can he can land strikes while actually backing up, which I like. Um, his boxing is good. Fast hands, short, tight shots, uh, explosive. Likes to slip and rip. Uh, nice, nice straight left. He, he, he has some, some, I mean, we've just talked about all his wins by stoppage. He has bar. I mean, I mean, he face planted JP Bryce, which, uh, yeah. which is becoming a theme for that ball guy. Um, like spinning, I think, I hope he becomes like a Mormon or something and finds, finds some love. Uh, <laughs> he, 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 he also likes spinning attacks. Uh, and maybe he'll have like, uh, what's that game when you, you spin the tops and they bang into each other? Beyblade. Yeah, maybe we'll have some of that actually. They just keep spinning and yeah. see. Um, 
uh, he, he likes hey, to bring the, bring the Yama pit back out for those guys. Cause yeah. Yes. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Nice job, man. Uh, he, he, he likes to step in these, uh, good kicks. He's got a quick high kick, hard body kicks. Uh, he will jump at his opponents, which will set him up to be taken down. Like he doesn't care about that, but he did stop some takedowns from journey Newsom and, and scramble well to his feet. This is going to be a fun fight. I'll say that both guys are very similar. I, I'm also leaning towards McGee. Uh, he, he's to his credit. Like he's not a guy that we expected to win matches when he was added to the UFC, but he's looked pretty good so far in the UFC. Yep. Uh, he looks, he's been looking better every fight. He's got some speed. He's got some power. Bologna's has never been knocked out. I don't think he's got like this rock solid chin. I just think it's overdue. So I, I, I'm going to go with you. I'm, I agree. I say, I think he catches him. I'm going to say he does in the second round. Give him a key by second round to go. Welterweights take the cage next as Matthew Semmelsberger and Preston Parsons look to get back in the win column at each other's expense. Semmelsberger, the 31-year-old Maryland native, is 11-6 and overall. He's 5-4 and in the UFC. He's on a two-fight losing streak. Uh, he lost both of his 2023 cage appearances, dropping a split decision to Jeremiah Wells in April and getting knocked out in the third round by Urosh Medic at UFC 291 in July. So uh, he'll look to bounce back from the first losing streak of any kind in his career against Parsons. Uh, Parsons, 28-year-old Florida native, is 10-4 and overall. He is 1-2 and in the UFC. He fought just once last year. It was last March at the Vera versus Sandhagen fight night where he dropped a split decision to Trevin Giles. Uh, odds here, fairly close, but Semmelsberger is just a slight favorite, uh, despite the fact that he is coming in on relatively short notice. Uh, this was supposed to be Parsons versus Basil Hafez. Semmelsberger comes in on, I believe, about three weeks notice. Uh, he is minus 130. Parsons available at plus 100, even money. Uh Semmelsberger should be better than basically 500 in the UFC. Uh, he, he is a big welterweight, a standout athlete, good at everything offensively, but just wild to his detriment. Uh, has defensive lapses, has trouble to quote the cliche of so many fighters over the years has trouble imposing his will on a fight. I, I, I mean, he lost to Alex Morono. If you had him take on Alex Morono in a decathlon, he would win all 10 events of that decathlon by a mile. Every single one of them. He's bigger than Morono. He is 10 times the athlete Morono is. And yet, was getting tagged up clean, got taken down, got hurt, had his eye closed by a jab, you know, by, by, by the jab. Like Semmelsberger, he, he, he should be better than he is. And I wish I had like a better, more descriptive way to, to put that in. Maybe you will come up with something I can't, but what he reminds me of is, you know, he reminds me of Josh Berkman. Josh Berkman stuck around the UFC for a long time in kind of the, the mid-aughts. He was always a very good athlete with very good offensive weapons. Like, if he could catch someone, he had tons of power. He had a surprisingly good submission game. But uh, he was wild. He never really improved any of his uh, flaws. Like, athlete-wise, athlete, athlete -wise, I mean, people might laugh at this, but I put him in the 
like George St. Pierre, like Michael Chandler, but like if you just had him do a decathlon against other fighters in the UFC welterweight division, he'd come out top like 90th percentile or higher. It just never translated into consistent wins. Do you think he'd be able to tackle Tom Nolan in the on the rugby field in the open field of the rugby? I think absolutely. Yes. He was almost pro. He was yeah. Hey, uh, and uh, Berkman was a junior college All American football player. You know, he was a he was a running back at Snow College in Utah. E from Utah. Um, Anyway, that's the vibe I get from Semmelsberger. And it wasn't enough to get Berkman over the hump in 2007. It's definitely not going to be enough to get Semmelsberger over 15 years later in arguably the best division in, in the UFC. Like, If something doesn't change, he's going to keep losing fights to people he should beat. And Parsons is, I, I mean, he's another example of that. I, Parsons, you look at the record, you know, zero TKOs, zero knockouts, nine submissions. But he's not Juicy A Formiga. He's a big, powerful, athletic guy who is, he's a willing striker. Just, you know, he does his best work on the ground. I just don't, I don't have any faith that Semmelsberger is going to be able to keep this in his wheelhouse. Like if Semmelsberger approached this with the right game plan, he should be able to keep Parsons on the outside, just mark him up with kicks, with a jab, sprawl and brawl, and win an easy 30 27 this decision where Parsons face is all busted up at the end of it. But I just don't trust that to happen. I think uh, they're going to end up on the ground at some point. And from there, I think Semmelsberger is vulnerable. Like when Morono tried like submissions on Semmelsberger, he basically just kind of muscled slash punched his way out of him. I don't know if that necessarily works on Parsons. I, it's not much of an upset. This is close to a pick but I like Parsons in this one via Semmelsberger kind of throwing away the fight at some point. Uh, I'm not going to say he gets the submission here, but I say Parsons wins two rounds out of three just by being able to get Semmelsberger down, have him in peril, um, just kind of wear on him that way. You know, maybe we have a kind of a, a round where Semmelsberger is saved by the bell where Parsons on, is on his back and has been working for a choke for the last 90 seconds. But yeah, give me Parsons in the slightest of upsets here uh, by decision. Yeah, um, I, I think Selzberg is more of an athlete than a fighter. And yeah. you, you said who's the guys he, he reminded you of. How about Phil Hollis is on this card? Like, that's a guy that, that I just thought would be way better than he is and just never, you know, mounted and never improved. Um, some very, he's, he's, he's a very fast, quick twitch athlete i mean he's he's a boxer it was high guard defense fast hands short tight shots uh, he loves he's, he's straight right he has a slip and rip style he will work the body uh, but lately he's been throwing way too many single shots now he has huge power I mean, we see when he is when he connects and why he gets people to to believe on me starts jason witt starts martin sano heart jeremiah wells bad the problem is he can look for the KO punch too much, you know, um, swinging for the fences. He did this against Moreno, and so Moreno just weathered that storm and decided to beat him to the punch and, and started working him. Uh, he avoids strikes by backing straight up. He's never fixed that. He will occasionally look for a takedown, but he's not a very good wrestler. 
he's a very weak defensive wrestler. I mean, Jeremiah Wills kept taking him down. Uh, he struggles to get off the bottom. <clears throat> Real no urgency against Jeremiah Wells to get back up. Uh, even like a, a, a match where he was getting takeouts, he struggled to keep like Colton Minus down. And, and what his concern is, we've kind of seen him slow down in the past. He slowed down in his last fight. Uh, it, so there's a lot of things that I used to like about him that I'm, 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 I think a lot of them are declining. Uh, Parsons, I think I agree with you. Like Parsons doesn't <laughs> finishes and knockouts and stuff, but he's 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 well rounded. Uh, he's got high volume. Uh, he's a Muay Thai striker. Fights behind a high guard defense. Accurate. Throws straight punches down the pipe. Uh, likes whipping his left hook to the body. He loves lead elbows. He's got some decent snap. I think that's like stinging power. Uh, mixes kicks in with punches well. You know, really good kicking game. Quick high kick. Has a lot of defense holes. He doesn't like being pressured. He wants to work from distance. He, he doesn't check leg kicks. Uh, he will close the distance. He'll look to bat and clinch. He looks for slicing elbows and close. Good at uh, landing knees in space. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, he'll, he'll mix in a takedown. Uh, but he I've seen him shoot without a setup, shoot too far away. He can kind of be sloppy chasing submissions. Um, but he does have nine subs. So I think I think I, I think I said he doesn't have finishes. I should have meant I should have meant like TKOs. So I apologize for that. Yeah. Uh, this is a good matchup. I'm I'm glad the line is close. Like I I, I was thinking that Semmelsberger was going to be like a two to one favorite. You know, bigger name. He's you know he's fought the higher competition. But I'm with you, man. I I think we have uh, a consensus up at pick. I'm I'm taking Parsons an upset. Uh, he's going to have to win an early round like the first and second round, because I expect him to win the third round. I expect Selmsberg to start to gas out. So it, it's can Parsons get one of the early rounds? I think he does. I think he probably wins the second round. I think he wins the second and third. I think he wins with volume. I think he makes it a takedown too. maybe holds Selmsberg's down from large portion of the fight. I can even see a late stoppage. Probably not. Uh, maybe he catches a submission late if, if, if Selmsberg is completely gassed. But I see Parsons wins. I'll say it's a very close fight, but I see one's a unanimous decision. All right. There you have it. The first unanimous Shillin and Duffy upset pick of 2024. Let's see what kind of year it's going to be. Next up at UFC Vegas 84, and at least as the card is constituted as of the beginning of fight week, the top prelim is the lone heavyweight fight on the card. It is the ageless Andre Arlovsky against Waldo Cortez Acosta. Arlovsky, the 44-year-old Belarusian, is 34-22 and 22 with two no contests over the course of a now almost 25-year career. Uh, he is 23-16 and 16 with one no contest across multiple stints in the UFC. Since returning most recently, he is 13-12 and 12 with one no contest. He is on a two-fight losing streak. He fought just once last year, got knocked out in the second round by Dante Mays. You have to go all the way back to October of 2022 for his last fight before that, and he got choked out of all things by Marco Sogerio de Lima. So he's looking to avoid a three-fight losing streak. Uh, he's going to have to do it against Cortez Acosta. A 32-year-old Panamanian by way of Arizona is 10-1 and as a professional. He is... Three and one since joining the UFC out of season six of Dana White's Contender Series. His lone loss in the UFC, his lone loss period, is also against Marcos Ogerio de Lima. He dropped a decision to him back in April, 
at the Song versus Simone fight night, came back with a first round knockout of Lucas Dresky in August uh, to get back in the win column. He is prohibitively favored to stay in the win column as Cortez Acosta is the second biggest favorite on the card. He is minus 600, Arlovsky plus 425. Wow. This is All right, man. Jeez. Yeah. Hey, I mean, Arlovsky, it's on the one hand, it is, it's kind of remarkable that he's even remotely competitive against top 50 heavyweights at oh, age 44. Yeah. I mean, he's on a two fight losing streak, but before that, he won four straight. Uh, yeah. I he think is, it was about 15 years ago. <laughs> no, he was, he was plausibly shot 15 years ago, and it's been 15 years since he had an exciting fight that he won. Like for 15 years, it's only been exciting when he gets KTFO. Yeah. <laughs> but he is the last guy left on UFC roster who was in the UFC before Dana White. He yeah. debuted in the uh, Semaphore Entertainment Group era. Uh, he was literally in the UFC before Dana White and the Fertitta brothers got involved. That's that's a hell of a long career. He had at one point, I mean, for a long time, he was one of the five best heavyweights in the sport. At one point, he was probably one of the best five best heavyweights in MMA history. He's been soundly passed up in that regard, not just because of you know his own losses, but because other fighters have come and put down better legacies. But I, he's part of the sports history. I think I speak for both of us when I say we're ready for him to become <laughs> the history. history. Yeah. And, and the <laughs> problem here against Cortez Acosta is that Arlovsky's mystifying success over this la latest run in the UFC has been kind of hypnotizing other fighters into just fighting an Arlovsky fight. Slow, slow, slow pace, just pumping out the jab, keeping his chin off the gunnery range. The problem is if Arlovsky, even if he could get that fight against Walter, Waldo Cortez Acosta, Cortez Acosta is going to be like, well, don't threaten me with a good time because his ideal fight is also pumping out the jab and he's younger, bigger, faster, got a better jab, can probably hurt Arlovsky with his jab. Just this is a miserable fight for Arlovsky. Like even even if he reclaims the Arlovsky magic of two years ago, he's in trouble against Cortez Acosta. The, the one thing Cortez Acosta does at a good level, aside from be huge and relatively nimble, is he has a decent jab that he is willing to throw a lot. Uh, I'm going to say Cortez Acosta fights conservative because just about everybody seems to be fighting conservatively against Arlovsky. They don't want to be Arlovsky's retirement win and let him go out on top. And this might be his best win in the UFC if he gets it. I mean, he's three and one in the UFC, but he's beaten Jared Vandera, Chase Sherman, and Lucas Dresky. Like Andre Arlovsky might be his best win in the UFC if he gets it. I think he does. I think he gets a decision win in an absolutely horrible fight. Yeah, this, uh, I think out of every fight on the card, this one I'm least interested in. Um, I, I, I will, you know, um, co-sign the, the fact that Alaski is still fighting at a somewhat high level is, is pretty incredible. That said, like, dude, you're like you're fighting on a fight night prelim. Like, you used to be the heavyweight champion in the world. You used to headline pay per views, and you're on the prelims, and no one wants to really see you fight. It's like, 
it's like when the temptations come in town with like one member left in the group from the original group and they're they're playing at twin river on a freaking tuesday night at at at, at 7 30 and they have to like it's, comp, have to it's, take it it's either that or it's leonard skinnerd at your state fair like in between oh. corn dogs, you look up there and it's like one original member and then yeah. just four random 65 oh. year old dudes in like molester shades uh, yeah. and cowboy hats. Like, but you just jab me in the balls. I, I, I've seen Leonard Skin in the concert like 12 times. <laughs> <laughs> I saw him once, but it's just because they were opening for ZZ Top. Um, oh, I've seen, I've seen their final tour, <laughs> like a shit dog. Their final tour. What? I mean, they've had as many final tours as Kiss, but, you know, like, at least you can still name three of the members of Kiss. Who's the last person that Arlovsky knocked out? Uh, Knocked out? Like, TKO. Like, stopped. Um, Yeah, yeah, I know what you were saying. Um, Yeah. It was like, I I have it in my notes, like, um, like it was like a decade ago, too. Um, It was May 2015. It's going on nine years. uh, I I have no idea. I can't give you a guess. Travis Brown. Oh, Travis Brown. Mr. Rousey. I mean, at least he did that. At least it was Travis Brown. That's it. Yeah. If you got to knock anybody out, at least it'd be Travis Brown. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, I lost key. You know, if he keeps it up, he'll probably become a member on the Leonard Skinner tour. <laughs> 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 um, and, I, and I'll be in the crowd cheering him on. <laughs> uh, Screaming, screaming, sweet home Alabama. Play free bird. <laughs> yeah, screaming, sweet home Alabama to a state I'd never been to before. Yeah. <laughs> Hands of the guy. <laughs> um, uh, so he's a counter-striking boxer that that you mentioned. It. I mean, the dude fights at a snail's pace that you know somehow hypnotizes the opponents to do the same thing. Uh, he still moves well. Uh, he fights behind the high god, tight inside boxing. But I mean, his hand speed has freaking crashed quicker than the one that's getting his plane dead. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not too soon, right? That's not too soon, right? That's not too soon. No. Like, I was even born. Um, yeah, it was like 1977, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he's a point fighter, and you said it. Like, it's been nine years since he knocked anybody out. And his best position is a clinch. <laughs> like, uh-huh. Slow, extremely slow, staring. Like, I think Andre Olaski would be like that guy. Like, you know, like kids play this game where there's like lock eyes with a complete stranger to see who looks away. Like, I think Olaski would be great at that. Like, that's what he wants. <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, he controls well. He's a decent wrestler and a decent grappler, but he's not a submission threat. Like, they'll, they'll say, oh, well rounded. And like, his last sub was against Sylvia. He he hooked him and he heel hooked him. And it was 18 yeah. years ago. Yeah. yeah. That was his last submission when he won the UFC title. It was the interim title in 2005. Yep. Um, yeah, going on 19 by, years. Yeah, he got yeah. subbed by Marco Hajira de Lima. Um, so, I mean, we've said that his chin is gone and he came back and it's gone. But I, I think it's gone at this point. I mean, he's been getting knocked out a couple of times. Uh, Acosta, he's a, he's a high output boxer. Works behind a jab. He he uses his you know set up his power shots with feints, clean strikes down the pocket. Uh, he whips an overhand and, and he's good at wrapping around his opponent's defense. 
Uh, I like that he works the body. Um, throws really hard. He has serious power because of his boxing style. Uh, but because of that, he's open to calf kick. It's a huge issue. And I mean, he keeps his chin high in the air. And he's a weak defensive takedown take wrestler. I mean, Chase Sherman took him down. Uh, he's a weak grappler. Looks very one-dimensional. Like, I could see, oh my God, I hope this doesn't happen. Like, Arlaski is still crafty. Like, I could see him, you know, closing this distance, wrestling, um, suddenly kicking, uh, which, you know, and, and picking apart with kicks. But Acosta's hands are still too good at this point. If he if he steps on the gas at all, I don't trust Arlaski's chin anymore. I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to guess that it's a, his chin is officially gone. I'm going to say Acosta catches him. I'm gonna say oh, Acosta by first round knockout. I I actually hope I'm wrong and you're right because if this goes to decision, it's gonna be bad. Yeah, free bird will survive. <laughs> Tuesday's gone, Alaski. Yeah. <laughs> give me give me three steps right out the door. Yeah. Well, hey, I I mean I hope Orlovsky has to wake up and say what's your name. Yeah. Well, nice job. It might be Thanks. a Saturday night special. Hey. They have to give him the smell insults, and he says, ooh, that smell. Yeah, just go out and yeah, Nice job. Just retire and be, retire and be a simple man. Yeah. <laughs> oh. The five-fight main card of UFC Vegas 84 begins with a middleweight matchup between Phil Hawes and Bruno Fajera. Hawes, the 34-year-old New Jersey native by way of Florida, is 12-5. and five. Overall, he is four and three since joining the UFC as a two-time veteran of the Contender Series. He fought on the very first season and lost, came back for season four where he won, got signed, and as I mentioned, since then has gone uh, four and three. He's on a two-fight losing streak, having gotten knocked out in the first round by Roman Delidze and Ikram Aliskarov. The most recent of those, the Aliskarov fight was at UFC 288 back in May. So he will look to turn things around. Uh, and snap that losing streak against Fajera. 31-year-old Brazilian is 10-1 and overall. That's the good news. The bad news is that the one loss was in his most recent fight where he got knocked out in a minute and like minute and 15 seconds by Nursultan Ruzaboyev. That was at the Strickland versus Magomedov fight night in July. Uh, prior to that, he had won his debut by first round knockout over Gregory Rodriguez. So he's one and one in the UFC and he is ever so slightly favored to go two and one as he is minus 125 Hawes minus 105. So this is actually practically a pick em. Neither man is available at plus money as of right now. Keith, you alluded to this earlier on the show, uh, Phil Hawes being a guy whose accomplishments have not quite stacked up to his obvious gifts and obvious potential. This is somebody that heading into his first contender series appearance we were talking about or at least hearing about being maybe the next John Jones. He has most decidedly not been the next John Jones. Uh, and he even seems to be regressing. Like he, he won on the contender series back, I guess, three years ago now in his second try, won his first three fights in the UFC, including good wins. I mean, Jacob Malkoon, Nasruddin Imovov, Kyle yeah. Dawkins, all solid wins. And since then, he's one and three. He's got knocked out in the first round in all of the losses. And not just the outcomes, but his actual performances seem to be regressing. Uh, 
if you'd asked me about this fight a while, I mean, because I don't believe in Bruno Fajera yet. Like, if they were fighting, if they, if it, if he were fighting Hawes instead of Gregory Rodriguez in in his UFC debut, like at the beginning of last year, I would have picked Hawes comfortably. I'm like, wow. for all his flaws, Hawes is going to lamp this guy. I don't know if I feel that way now. Now I feel like this is almost a whoever touches the other guy's chin first is probably going to win this thing. And yeah. the tough thing is picking that. This is this is probably the most muscular fight in the UFC. <laughs> uh, they, just, they just like do like a flex off instead. Yeah. And the funny thing about it all is it doesn't have to be a like a find the chin contest. Hawes should be able to take this guy down effortlessly if he wanted to, but yeah. I don't know if I have faith that he's going to try. Before he was, I mean, before he was a knockout artist, he was a very good wrestler. Like, not the amateur yeah. credentials, but good yeah. amateur yeah. credentials and the type of wrestling that tends to lend itself well to MMA. I mean, because of how he looks, especially when he bleaches his hair, it's easy to make the Kevin Randleman uh, yeah, yeah. comparison but it might be more fair to say if he had developed the skills differently he could have had a Michael Chandler type path and it's just not panned out in any way I I I'm leaning Hawes in the slight upset here wow. I'm gonna guess that both guys like Fajera coming off his first career loss, Hawes knowing that he might be fighting for his job. He's lost three of four. I mean, he knows that if he loses another one by first round knockout, there's every chance he gets cut or he never appears on a main card again. So I could see this being a fight where both guys come out surprisingly like tentative. Both guys kind of fighting not to lose in the early going. Hawes has more experience, better experience, not that it's helped him much recently, but he is at a very, very good camp. I'm going to say Hawes wins a decision here in a fight that's not the barn burner that we expect and saves saves his job. He goes full, he goes full Arlovsky. <laughs> he go, wait, I mean, not full Arlovsky. I, I, I don't want to, like, age two years in 15 minutes. As yeah, this, he's not uh, in Lennon Skinner then. But they're going to sell you the UFC booth is going to try to sell you on all either of these guys has to do is touch the other guy's chin. And while that's true, I, I don't know if it's going to be quite the, the chin destruction derby that, that they're pitching you. Give me Hawes by decision in a, a fight where it's a lot of waiting, a few flurries of action and a lot more waiting. Yeah. If Hawes takes Fajera down with a just a cannonball double leg in the first 30 seconds, I will jump up and down and scream hallelujah in my living room. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. This fight. I, I, I hope it I hope it is exactly how the UFC promotes it. Like I hope it's sure. the guy who lands first lands you know, lands big shot and it's like I'm out here call me the breeze is another one it's getting better <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> sorry I can't stop um, uh, uh, I mean Phil Hall I mean he is a good athlete like like you know it, him and Semmelsberger 
doing like uh, Ninja Warrior course would be really fun. That's what stands out by him. He's fast. He's explosive. He, he's a, he, he can be aggressive on the feet. He works behind a, behind a jab, a superb guy. I liked when he was like beating up Darren Wynn with elbows inside. You know, that was to me probably like the peak of his career. <sighs> Obviously, he has massive power. He's got a good kicking game. Like he kicks hard, mean calf kicks, very fast high kick. But there is that something about him when you don't get like, man, why can this guy not put it all together? Uh, I think that was always the case. But now there is definitely like, no, here, here is the issue, or one of the issues for sure, and that's his durability. Uh, I mean, you mentioned he lost three out of the last four fights, been knocked out in the first round in all those three. That's a huge issue. And then you're going against Bruno Ferreira, which is best having a victory is blasting in the chin. So he is a good wrestler. Uh, in junior college, national champion, he has good, fast entry, explosive hips, Good, you know, he can coach down, good top control. Good, I've seen him get some back takes. But another issue, and, and this is always, so this is not like, we've always known this is an issue is the cardio. Like, you know, because of how school, so those guys are always going to be, like Kevin Randleman in, in that aspect is a fair, fair assessment. Uh, Fajera, he's a southpaw, uh, but he will fight at both stances. Uh, sets up his, his shots with feints. He's, has massive power. He has seven knockouts. He really springs into a shot. His short right hand from the southpaw stance is probably my favorite blow. But he keeps his chin. When he does this, he keeps his chin high in the air. He's asking to get cracked back. Now, uh, and he's also open to leg kicks. Like, that could be an avenue of victory for, for Hawes. You know, as long as he doesn't throw him naked. <laughs> if he throws him naked, you know, he, he can get knocked in the next week. But if he can move... Move, go and chase him a little bit, calf kick, calf kick. That could actually be another avenue of victory for him. Uh, is he's, he's a judo black belt. He has three submissions on record. Um, he he showed he can get up from bottom when taken down by Gregor, Gregor Rodriguez, which I, which I like that. Uh, though I don't think Gregor Rodriguez has the control that Phil Hawes has. Um, and he has, I, he has questionable cardio, but I can't see as bad cardio because he's never been past the second minute in the second round. So it's, it's you know, it's more like just maybe his cardio is okay. But again, I'm worried about his chin because he's been absolute starts. I think this is a mirror fight. I don't think anybody who's like, you know, I know there's so many guys out there with I can't miss, you know, join, join the premium platinum team and I'll give you the best <laughs> pick. And like, I know they make it so much money that they have to charge people their, their, Five hundred viewers, money, extra money. To, <laughs> like, but like anybody who says that, like, just first of all, come back to our channel, and watch our show again, <laughs> you know, or listen to Leonard Skinner's greatest hits, something. But like, you can't be confident in this fight because both guys are really good athletes. Both guys are really explosive. Both guys can't like, even though you're not going that way, like the UFC saying these guys could touch at you and knock you out. It's twofold why that is true. One, yes, they both have massive power. And two, they both have very questionable chins. So it goes both ways. Um, like, you don't have to be have massive power to knock these guys out either. Both have defensive issues. Both have gas tank issues. I'm, I'm like, pick up a coin, toss it in the air. Um, 
But if you get if you pay the ten dollar premium to my my Venmo, I, I will give you my my <laughs> sure pick. Um, I'm gonna go with you, man. I'm gonna go with a veteran. I'm gonna why I don't know. I'm gonna go completely different avenue than you. I'm gonna say Hawes lands a big shot, and I say Paris chin is too high in the air. And I'm gonna say Hawes catches him. Give me Hawes by first round knockout. Uh, once again, we have a fight where we disagree on the details, and I hope you're right. <clears throat> Next up is another men's bantamweight matchup as Ricky Simone takes on Mario Bautista. Simone, the 31-year-old Washington State native, is 20-4 and four overall. He is 11-3 and three since joining the UFC out of the first season of Dana White's Contender Series. He fought most recently last April in the headliner of UFC on ESPN 45, where he got knocked out in the fifth round by Song Yedong, snapping a five-fight winning streak for himself and knocking himself at least temporarily out of uh, title contention in that division. He will look to get back on track against Bautista, who is looking to uh, propel himself into the title discussion. Uh, Bautista, 30-year-old Arizona native, is 13-2 and overall. He's 7-2 and in the UFC. He's on a five-fight win streak right now. He fought twice last year, uh, choking out Guido Canetti in March, then coming back with a unanimous decision win over DeMond Blackshear at UFC 292 in August. Uh, Bautista, despite the impressive win streak, is the moderate underdog here. Simone is minus 175, Bautista plus 140 uh, on the comeback. Keith, you like wrestle boxers. Ricky Simone is about as old school a wrestle boxer stylistically as yeah. you'll find in the UFC right now. Just yeah, the, 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 the stance, heavy on the front foot, high boxing guard. Uh, he throws a, I mean, he throws a better variety of strikes than a 2003 wrestle boxer. Yeah. He still likes his overhand. He, wrestlers found out early on that if a guy is scared of the level change, if you faint a level change, the hands go down, the face is open, and you get Randleman knocking out Crow Cop. You get, mere flooring uh congo you get a, a million you know like big punches if you'd asked me a couple of years ago i would have said yeah simone is at least a future title contender if not a, a future yeah. champ he's young uh you know he's very athletic he's got incredible motor now i after the song yudong fight i, I wonder if Okay, maybe we've seen a ceiling. He, he's 31. Yeah. He's an established top 10 bantamweight in the UFC, but maybe he's not going to be able to get over the hump against people who either aren't worn out by his pace, can stay on the feet against this takedown game, and are, and are niftier strikers. You know, you look at his three losses in the UFC now – getting clocked by Uriah Faber was a one in a million thing. Like fair play to Faber. It's not a fluke, but if they fight 10 times, that happens once. But, you know, Rob Font was able to stay vertical and, and, you know, jab him up on the feet. Yeah. Song Yudong did that with more power and outlasted him. And even before the knockout, he was sort of starting to pull away. I just, I don't know if Mario Bautista can replicate that route to victory. Um, man, I really like Bautista. I, I mean, 
I like submission specialists and he he's had some fantastic ones in the UFC, but I just, I have trouble picturing him getting Simone into any of those situations because I think Simone's probably going to want to keep the standing. I think he's going to be able to keep it standing. And in a three round fight, uh, I think like durability is not going to be an issue. It, it's just a rough matchup for Bautista. And that's unfortunate because I've really enjoyed the run Bautista's on, but give me Simone to win probably, probably 30, 27, but all three rounds are individually pretty competitive. Just a kind of high energy sprawl and brawl performance against Bautista where he outlands him on the feet. Bautista can't get him down. And that's pretty much the whole complexion of the fight. Um, wow. This this is a good fight. Like I, I'm, I'm intrigued by it to kind of see where they are both at their careers because I I have question marks. Like I have question marks if if Batista can can succeed at this level, and, and then I have question marks if Simone is still at this level. Uh, Simone he, he's he's a good athlete. He, he's very physically strong. You mentioned like your classic old school wrestle boxer. I, I like his volume. He's got high volume. He's got pretty fast hands. He attacks with combinations. Does slide in the pocket and, and load shots. Uh, I like that he works the body. Uh, he'll eat a lot of shots, and that's due to his lack of head movement. We saw that against Song Yudong. Uh, plus, he's also willing to, to brawl a little bit. Uh, but he, he showed against Jack Shore. He does have some underrated power. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, he, he does check leg kicks, which I like. Uh, he's a solid wrestler, some good entries, but... I, I'm not like overly impressed with his wrestling. Uh, I, I did love his reactionary doubles against Jack Shaw. Um, good top control. What I like more about his wrestling is not actually his, his skill in it, but the the mindset. Like he'll work for every inch, he'll make you work. But he struggled to get Song Yudong down. Now, it, it, it's one of those ones I wonder is it is it Simone or is it Song Yudong has shown so much perfect? I, I think it might be, it might be B. Like I think Song Yudong has, has really arrived. Um, if he gets the fight to go down, he's kind of like a specialist. He likes like the classic, like what I say, the classic response. He likes the old school head and arm choke. Um, I mean, and you know, pardon me for interrupting you. I know I do it all the time, but yeah, you think about Song Yudong joining Team Alpha Male at age twenty-one or whenever he went there. Yeah, I mean, you think like think yeah. of the people he sees, yeah, yeah. day in and day out. Short, yeah. stocky wrestle boxers. Mendez and, and uh, who else was on that team? Uh, Benavidez. Benavidez. Yeah. For, for, for a while, Dillashaw. Uh, Dillashaw. Faber himself. Uh, Grant. Yeah. Well, who's the guy that coached there? Um, Danny Not Castillo. Talking about, yeah, Danny, Danny Castillo. Castillo. Yeah. Like, yeah, every single one of the guys. Click, click, every, um, Josh Emmett, yeah. dude. Darren Elkins was there for a while. Yeah, I think. Dude, Josh Emmett, like, Josh like, Emmett. just yeah, 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 Josh Emmett. yeah, 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 yeah. Good. That's a very good point. That's a very, very yeah. good point. Um, move to Batista. Dude looks really good recently. You know, um, again, this is a big step up for him, but I mean, he's well rounded. He's a pressure striker. I love this fight against Benito Lopez. He just marched him down and teed off on him. Uh, he's very technically sound. He uses feints well footwork well to keep his distance, cuts angles well. Uh, I go back to like the Brian Keller. I know no, it hasn't aged well, but he was fading and just freezing on underrated power. He feels, he, he appears like fearless right now. Like he has this huge confidence in his game. He just, he's one to step in the pocket and just and, and crack. 
uh, likes flying knees. Great kicking games, good calf kicks. Uh, he can he can battle in the clinch. His wrestling has looked really good lately. Um, he got takedowns in five straight fights. Uh, he hit Brian Kelleher with a foot sweep. He suplexed Guido Canetti. Uh, been really good on the ground. He has six submission wins. Uh, showed great takedown defense against Miles John. In, in fairness, he did give up four takedowns to DeMar Blackshear, but go back earlier in this episode, we talked about DeMar Blackshear. <laughs> like, he's, that yeah. guy's just good. Um, this is a really solid fight. I, both guys are, are, are solid fighters. It, my question about my, Simone is, like, is he... <clears throat> You know, you seem like you kind of have the question marks, like, is he still at this level? And I feel like he's, like, season four of Homeland, where it's like, like, it's, yeah, it's entertaining, but, like, I'm not as excited as I used to be when the, season, when the show came out, or Dexter, or uh, season eight of The Sopranos, whatever, how many seasons they had. You know, it, it, it wasn't the same... As, as you know, new new shows that might be coming out there might be excited. I, I kind of feel like that's. I I feel like I don't think Simone fell off the cliff and it turned into like The Walking Dead, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I do think it's a it's a slow decline. Like okay, like how, how many times can I see that chick from home and make it? Like all right, <laughs> like I'm good. Uh, Batista's on it. He just looks better and better. Uh, I think Batista stuffs enough of, of Simone's takedown attempts. I think he picks him up hot range. I think it's going to look lo- a lot like the Song Yudong fight without the stoppage, where he's just too fast. So, yeah, I, I, I'm surprised. You said Simone was a big favorite, wasn't he? No, not a big favorite. Like, uh, he's minus 175, Batista plus yeah. 140. I, I think it should I, I actually like Batista as a favorite. Uh, I, if you if you get, had me guess the line, I was going to. Even that, you, know, you said one negative one seventy five, one eighty, something like that. Yeah, I would have said, "Wow, like, damn, people are really high on Batista." I like Batista. I think he gets it done. Give me Batista by decision. All right. So if you're watching this right now, Keith, Keith is probably right on this one. Uh, the interesting thing in in our respective predictions, though, is that I think the that it's going to be Simone fighting off Batista's attempts to bring it to the ground. And you seem to think it might be the other way around. Like that's what I'm interested to see. I think it'll be a little bit of both. I think it'll be both. Um, you're like, you're like Simone season three. Old man. I'm like season four. <laughs> there, there we- <laughs> Third from the top is a lightweight matchup between Jim Miller and Gabriel Benitez. Miller, the 40-year-old New Jersey native, is 36 and 17 with one no contest overall. He is 25 and 18 with one no contest in the UFC. There's no indication that he's going to retire this weekend, so I won't give the full eulogy here. I'm not going to shovel dirt on a on a man that's not not in the coffin, but it used to be for several years that he was juggling UFC records with the likes of Diego Sanchez, Donald Cerrone, some of them with Joe Lozon. Uh, those guys are gone, and I mean Clay Guida is still around, but hopefully they are. Yeah, <laughs> they don't have, have a comeback. <laughs> yeah. Miller at this point is leaving the pack in the dust. He has the most wins in UFC history. He has the most cage appearances in UFC history. 
Uh, he has the second most finishes in UFC history. For a guy that's not super, super known as a finisher, you, you, you pile up some numbers with the passage of time. For a guy that isn't exactly Anthony Pettis as a human highlight reel, he has 14 post-fight bonuses. He has the most fight time in the history of, of the lightweight division, at least. The, the man is going to own large chunks of the UFC uh, record book by the time he's done. And more importantly, for purposes of this discussion, he's still beating people. He's won four of his last five. Uh, he's coming into this fight off a win. He fought Jesse Butler at the Car France versus Albazi card last June, knocked him out in 23 seconds, continuing this newfound punching power that really only has appeared in the last couple of years. Uh, he'll look to make it two in a row, show that he can still hang with the young dogs against Benitez, uh, who at, at the very least can also, you know, order off the dinner at 4 p.m. menu at Denny's with him. Uh, Benitez, 35-year-old Mexican, is 23-10 and 10 overall. He's 7-6 and six in the UFC. Uh, he's coming in off a win, but that win is a year and a half ago. Uh, he fought way back in August of 2022 uh, on the Vera versus Cruz uh, fight night card where he knocked out Charlie Ontiveros in the first round. Prior to that, he had knock, knockout losses to Billy Quarantillo and David Onama, both of those at featherweight. He is remaining at uh, lightweight here, and he's facing Miller, and this one is a dead pick -em. Both men are out there around minus 110, minus 115. Keith, Jim Miller is going to uh, grab some more territory in the UFC record book just by getting in the cage. He'll extend his record for most cage appearances, extend his lightweight lead for most cage time. Will he add to his win total? And how does the fight look? Yeah, I got to correct you on a stat. I actually believe Andre Olowski has been the most time in the cage just because he didn't do anything. They don't count it as fight time. <laughs> 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 like, like, like resting, uh, <laughs> you know, low, low, low impact uh, cardio. <laughs> um, it's well, it's like remember when Invicta had Hannibal Buress as one of their sponsors, yeah. and there was just a picture of Hannibal Buress like on the cage, and it would always look like he was kind of like looking at the fights. That, that that's this, a large this, chunk of Arlovsky's career. Yeah, this He's the human is, sponsor decal. Yeah. Does Cat Williams hate Hannibal? Because he seems to hate everybody. <laughs> I, I guess he was mad at Rogan this week. I, yeah. yeah. I was like, well, if we make any more jokes, he'd be talking shit about us. <laughs> He's talking shit bring, about it up, bring it on, Cat. <laughs> hey, yeah, hey, I like him. Yeah. <laughs> He's talking shit about everybody. Man, <laughs> this guy's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um. Who the hell are we talking about? Oh, Jim Miller. <laughs> um, Jim Miller versus Gabriel Mowgli Benitez. Yeah, I, I'll say this. So we said this about Alaski, like the fact that he's fighting a you know a heavyweight. It, to me, like Jim Miller is even more impressive in that sense. Oh. Like, yeah, I understand he's a little bit younger, but at that weight class, be probably more competitive than Alaski. Um, I, I mean, there's nothing showing incredible. And then, like you talk about him. You know, this could be the last one. It's, it's not going to be like from from no. all the indications are is that he wants to come right back and fight a UFC three hundred. Yep. Um, he, I do believe he has slowed down, but he, but though he has slowed down, he has found this like new old man power. 
Like he he hurt Alex Hernandez. He knocked out Jesse Bells. He knocked out Nicholas Moda. And like these are recently, you know, somewhat yeah. recently. Um, now he still has huge defensive holes. Doesn't move his head. I'm still worried about his chin for all the damage he's taken over the years. Um, but I, I think we looked at he only been knocked out like twice in 52 fights, which is absolutely incredible. And Alex Hernandez was cracking him, and he just kept moving forward. Uh, he he can he will still wrestle. He's he's an above average wrestler. His wrestling is never as great as people have made it sound. But his ground game, I mean, it's good. I mean, he's got 18 submission wins. He has a he has an absolutely great guillotine. You make a mistake, you leave it out there. He, he snatch it up. One of the best guillotines of all time. Uh, he hit Cerrone with, and yeah, and it was the ghost of Donald Trump. But he still hit him with one of the best I've ever seen. Uh, and I, I, it's funny. We used to say he'd have a round and a half of cardio. Yeah. But it seems like it's getting deeper and looking better recently. It's like what, Dude. like this guy's. I don't. I don't know what it is. He's 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 taking that, taking that stuff that Frank Thomas uses or whatever to help the old man or something like. <laughs> like this fucking guy's no. like, where does cardio come no. from? No, as, as long ago as the Vince Pichelle fight, that's August of 2020. So three and a half oh. years ago, I said that all Jim Miller has left is an opportunistic submission game and seven minutes of cardio. Yeah, he is four and three since then with three knockouts. And but even yeah. his losses though, like they haven't even his done. losses, it's not been because he gassed out horribly. He's yeah. he's just proven no, me yeah. flat wrong. Yeah. It's this freaking guy. <laughs> you yeah, know? this guy. Um Gabriel Benitez, again, like you said, he's been out for a while. So so you know, obviously I got a basis on what I've last seen of him. Uh but being that at his age and not everyone is Jim Miller where they can fight as in, in as long as of late as he can. So like yeah, I can see everything falling apart. But what I've seen of him, Southpaw, kickboxer, good movement, technically sound, strong jab. Uh he follows that up with good power shots. His his, his left hand, his straight left is his is his best shot. He does work to the the body well, got has some decent pop, really good kicking game, some of the best calf kicks in the division some really hard kicks to the body. He hardly ever wrestles. Though yeah, recently he when he fought Charles Ontiveros, he shot in and picked up and slammed him. So I like that. Uh if he gets the fight, he's a good grappler, but again, never really uses it. Uh you have to worry about his chain. I mean David Onama knocked him out. Um Jim Miller is crafty and, and tough and keeps defining like defining logic and and, and time and I should take Jim Miller. I like, <clears throat> you know, I want to root for him and I want him to good. Nothing, nothing against Benitez, but uh, stylistically, though, I, if Benitez is is still the same guy that he was when he left, I like Benitez here. He's more technically sound. He's faster. He I, he has as the least the same amount of power as Miller does, and, and Miller's durability could fail him at any time. Again, Benitez. Two is is not no spring chicken, so it could happen to him too. But give me Benitez to to pick him apart with a jab and and those mean calf kicks. I, I think Benitez wins a blowout decision. Yeah, I I'm leaning the other way here, and while I'm sure there's a certain amount of sentiment playing into it, I mean, it, if you don't like Jim Miller, something's wrong with you. He's been just one of the ultimate hard hat guys in the UFC for a long, long yeah. time. It's like, 
you know, if if you like Clay Guida, but you think the gimmick is kind of annoying, Jim Miller's your man. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I'll get slapped around here. Someone gets slapped by another man. Dude, what's Dan Miller doing these days? Like, Dan Miller should be slapping this man. Yeah. Or guillotining him. That's Guida's brother in the slap freaking, what's it called? The slap league? Power slap, yeah. Yeah, him and Tempasova just slapping each other. Yeah, I guess they couldn't do that, though, because, like, Dan Miller's thing was always that he had a crazy good guillotine, and if he, like, guillotines Jim Miller right before the fight, like, he's just... Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Here's the thing. Like, whatever it is specifically that has kept Benitez on the shelf for a year and a half, he's not going to be better at 35 than he was at 33. The best we can hope for is, is that he's the same. I agree that like he has good power. You know, Miller showed good power recently. Benitez has always had good power, but Benitez has gotten knocked out a lot. Benitez has been knocked. I mean, he's been knocked out four times since the last Miller, time Miller's gotten knocked out and he's been knocked out by featherweights. Like Onama, Sadiq Yusuf, Andre Feely, those guys are all big hitters, but some of the people that have hurt Benitez really aren't. Uh, I mean, Billy Quarantillo really just sort of wore him down and and then knocked him out, but I can see Miller. In fact, I think Miller gets this done in the, in the first round. I think he catches him, hurts him, either just knocks him out or catches him, slaps on a guillotine or takes his back, and we get a club and sub. Give me Jim Miller to have just one last hurrah if he gets any kind of finish, he's probably going to pick up his 15th UFC post-fight bonus. Uh, yeah, uh, one more for for Jim Miller. Uh, give me Miller by first round TKO. That brings us to the co-main event and the first of two rematches to cap off the UFC's first offering of 2024. This one, a men's flyweight contenders match between Matthias Nicolau and Manel Kopp. Nicolau, the 31-year-old Brazilian, is 19-3-1 overall. He is 9-2 in the UFC. He lost his last time out, fought just once in 2023, got knocked out in the first round by Brandon Royval, who would go on to challenge for the title. That snapped a six-fight win streak for Nicolau, so he'll look to start a new one here at the expense of Cop. Uh, Cop, 30-year-old Angola native by way of Thailand, is uh 19 and 6 overall. He is 4 and 2 since joining the UFC as the outgoing Ryzen flyweight champ and then a full year off during the COVID-stricken year of 2020. He joined the UFC, looked like a bit of a bust as he lost his first two fights including his first meeting with Nicolau back in March of 2021, but since then he has rattled off four straight wins over Ode Osborne, Jalgas Jumagulov, David Dvorak and Felipe Dos Santos. Uh, the most recent of those, the Dos Santos fight was at UFC 293 in September. Uh, he will look to make it five in a row, possibly mint himself as the next uh, title challenger in the flyweight division. He is comfortably favored to do so. Cop uh, is minus 250, Nicolau plus 200. Now, Keith, we've seen these guys fight already. Granted, it was almost three years ago. Not that long ago, though. Yeah, it was almost three years ago. Nicolau won a split decision. Uh, It was a competitive fight, but at least for what it's worth, I thought Nicolau won two out of three rounds. Uh, Tell me what has changed to make Cop a greater than two to one favorite in the rematch between these guys. And tell me if, well, 
Tell me if that's right at all. Tell me who you think wins. Yeah, the only thing I can think of is is, is seeing Nikolai just get knocked out in his last fight, and, and you know, and it's, what have you done for me lately? I mean, three years ago is not that long. Like my my septic system got pumped longer than, ago than that. You know, like yeah, you got to at least be one septic pump cycle. <laughs> um, uh, this 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 is a really good fight. Like you know, one being flyweights, co-main event, title implications, like the winner, especially cop if it's cop wins because he's marketable. He talks a lot. If he wins, I can see him getting the next title shot. Uh, but you know, he's trying to he's gonna try to defeat a guy that already beat him. I mean, Nicolau's good. I mean, Nicolau's a good athlete. He moves well. He's got really good footwork. Uh, he's he's good. His movement is really good at setting his opponents to draw out their power attacks, kind of chase them and, and throw. And he's counters, um, and he, and he kind of walks people right into his counters. Uh, he also likes to lull people to sleep, and then he darts in with, and lands some big shots. He's, he's got quick hands, tight boxing, uh, tight short shots, explosive. His best right is is his straight left. He throws a lot of, like, hard hooks. Uh, so, like, some of the best power in the division. Like, when you look at his frame, you know, like a really skinny kind of, lanky kind of guy he doesn't get enough credit i mean he's not like really tall but i mean he's just like he's not a guy you think he can crack but he can hit uh he throws hard leg kicks he can wrestle i mean he got two takedowns against cop in that first fight and and, and that was huge that was probably the difference in a really close fight great overall grappling mean ground and pound he has five submission wins it might you know my big concern about him is his is durability I mean, he was just quickly knocked out in, in his last fight uh cop <clears throat> Massive flyweight. I, I've, I've said this before, but I'm still comparing this. He he reminds me of a, of a prime talking origami where he fights out of both stance. Powerful striker. He really, um, you know, he holds his hands low, kind of like how Gomi did, and, and, and relies solely on head movement and then counter striking. Uh, he's a pull striker, uh, bit of a sniper, very explosive. He's got fast hands, really sets on his shots and, and, and steps into them one of the biggest punchers in the division. But the big issue is he can cruise many, many times. He can be too patient, not throw it off, and make fights. You know, his last fight was closer than it should have been. Uh, he's got good kicks to the body and, and to the calves. Uh, he'll toss up a fast high kick. He showed he can wrestle against Pantoja. Uh, but showed against uh, Nicolau and Al-Kasasaki Al that he struggles if you take him down and get off the bottom. Uh, yeah, I think the line is way off. I, I, I'm bored. I think this should. I think this should be a, a really close fight. It's just based on the volume, the possibility of takedowns from Nicolau. Uh, Nicolau is definitely the probably the more technical striker and, and the better output. But a cop can just land one massive shot and change that. And he's and he's. I I, I know a lot of people always talk about cop's power, but they, I also don't think they talk about his accuracy. Something that like what I thought Davidson like a really. When Davidson Figueroa was on top of the world, like people always talk about that power, but they wouldn't give him credit for for his you know his ability to land, not just land the power shot. It's something Francis Ngannou, like I know I, we've talked about Francis Ngannou like hitting grazing shots, and he had that power and he could just graze your head. But he also would land a lot uh, of really clean shots. It's a tough one. I, I think the, you know again going back to like uh, the Yanni thing, like. Sprinkle like I, I I don't mind Nicolau in an upset as a sprinkle. Um, the chin does worry me, and and I say cop 
he's going to really want to avenge a loss. I could see him. You know, I, I'm worried about him cruising times. I don't know if he's going to cruise in this fight because of how close the last fight was. I could see him want to avenge a loss and turn up the volume. I say he lands something huge. I, I say I say he does turn the table. So after I just bash the line, I'm going to say cop catches him. I'm going to say cop by second line knockout. Yeah, I'm torn on this one. This might be the hardest fight on the card for me to call. And it's rare for me to say that about a fight that has a greater than two to one favorite. I would say this one had obvious upset potential written all over it. The one thing that really gives me pause is, yeah, a lot of times betters and uh, analysts will fade a fighter that's coming off of a, a bad loss, like a bad knockout loss like Nicolau just had. And a lot of times it isn't necessarily that valid, but here it kind of is because the way that Roy Vall knocked out Nicolau is like exactly something that Manel Kopp would do. Just timing. I mean, you talked about the accuracy. The way Roy Vall uh, timed Nicolau coming in, just nailed him with a pinpoint intercepting knee. That is pure Manel Kopp type stuff. Uh, you know, his knees are some of his deadliest weapons. I, I could see an exact repeat of that kind of thing here where cop just you know pulls uh nickel out right into a, a pinpoint strike if he doesn't this still has upset potential written all over it like nickel out takes cop down and wins a frustrating frustrating for cop first round off of him the those lines are going to swing hard the other way because people are going to realize that this might just look like a repeat of, of the first fight. And maybe these guys really haven't changed that much in, in three years. I'm with you. I'm leaning cop. And if cop wins, I think he's going to win spectacularly, but I'm open to being dead, dead wrong on this one. Uh, we're not a betting show. I'm not a betting man, but if I were, I would steer well clear of this one. Um, yeah. Give me cop by second round knockout as well. But again, this is one that uh, I had a real hard time picking with that we come to the main event of ufc fight night 234 a light heavyweight matchup with likely title implications between magomed ankalaev and johnny walker ankalaev the 31 year old dagestani is 17 1 and 1 with one no contest overall he is 9 1 and 1 with one no contest in the ufc uh walker 31-year-old Brazilian is 21 and 7 with one no contest overall. He is 7 and 4 with one no contest since joining the UFC out of uh, the first season of Dana White's Contender Series. The single no contest on both gentlemen's record, of course, came in their first meeting at UFC 294 back in October, where uh, an illegal knee from Ankalaev dazed Walker, a bit of language barrier in Assessing Walker's condition might have caused the fight to be stopped when nobody really wanted it to be, not Ankalaev nor Walker. Nobody ended up happy about it. There ended up being some jawing afterwards. The UFC decided the obvious move was to remake the fight. And here we are. Ankalaev was a comfortable favorite going into the first fight. Whatever we saw in that three minutes and 13 seconds, apparently did not inspire confidence in the upset potential because he's an, an even bigger favorite going into the rematch. Ankalaev is minus 500 going into this one. Walker plus 375. Man, 
I think I said this. I could have said this really any time in the last two and a half years about Ankalaev, but if you tell me that Magomed Ankalaev is the best light heavyweight on the planet right now, I'm not going to argue with you. Agreed. He is one of the unluckiest fighters <laughs> in the sport. He's, I mean, he's a man that would cross the street to step in dog shit. Like I just, <laughs> when you, when you look at, obviously I don't want to take anything away from Paul Craig with one of the most remarkable upsets yeah. in UFC history, but that was a moment of inattention literally at the last second of a fight in which he had won every minute of it up until then. And then obviously the two fights with Iwan Kudalaba, a guy that Ankalaev outclasses really, really badly, but it, it ended up eating a whole year of his career. Like just having to rematch Kudalaba and knock him out in the first round for real the second time ate up most of his 2020. Uh, the draw against Jan Blahovic, where most people thought he should have won the fight. And he, th there was a split draw. He, no one wins the title. It remains vacant. He retired out of frustration at the end of that. A couple months later, he says, give me back my bullets. They book him against, uh, <laughs> they book him against Walker. They book him against Walker in Abu Dhabi, where it's hard to have a star making turn for a guy like Ankalaev. He's not a very exciting fighter. He's not much of a talker in Russian or English, but you put him in Abu Dhabi where Dagestani fighters tend to go over really, really well. It was his chance to have some kind of star turn and it just ends in disappointment for everybody. This guy, a few things breaking uh, slightly differently. The guy, it feels like the guy could have been champ for three years going right now, but he still hasn't had his chance here. He's a five to one favorite and short of something bizarre happening. I, he should survive in advance. Just the, my question is what are the chances that something stupid happens and, and we're denied a, a definitive result of any kind? Cause otherwise he's tailor-made to take care of Walker. Walker is obviously he's a ridiculous physical specimen. He's the biggest light heavyweight on the planet. Like he might not be the tallest, but he's in the conversation. I, I will bet anybody that he's the heaviest in terms of what he weighs when he walks into the cage. Like he looks like he weighs 235 pounds and he's incredibly fast and athletic despite that size. And while his gas tank isn't great, it's not as bad as you would expect from a guy as big as him that has as many explosive movements as he does. He's an unorthodox striker with crushing power in everything, but he has, you know, tons of lapses defensively on the feet. Uh, we were kind of showed that his first loss in the UFC was to Corey Anderson where Anderson was like, okay, if I'm not blinded by all the spinning and dancing and stuff, I can just wait and just punch him straight in the face a couple times and this thing is over. Like, Ankalai was tailor-made to take care of this guy because he is a button-down, defensively sound kickboxer who can wrestle if he needs to, and he's pretty huge himself and has no gas tank problems and despite all the crazy, ridiculous shit that happens to him, is hard to rattle and get, get out of his comfort zone. Like, he loses his mind and says ridiculous things after the fight because something stupid happened, but in the course of the fight, uh, aside from 
you know, a couple of moments of inattention against Paul Craig and, you know, hitting Walker with that illegal knee, he's pretty airtight. Like this should be really, really straightforward win here. I, I could see this being like the way Tiago Santos beat Johnny Walker, just much, much worse. Like Santos just forced Walker into a pretty conventional kickboxing match and beat him at it. And Ankalaev is bigger, healthier, and a true light heavyweight. That's what I'm picking here. And because it's a five-round fight, Ankalaev is going to put like a certain amount of damage on him just because of the length of the fight. Uh, and because Walker doesn't seem to know anything else to do but come forward and throw strikes. I see Ankalaev getting a stoppage here in the main event rounds. I'm going to say he gets a round four TKO. But barring something bizarre, I think there aren't going to be very many Johnny Walker-type moments in this fight. Like, I just don't, I don't think he's going to catch him with the one killer blow that's going to turn this fight on its head. Yeah. Um, yeah, you keep asking me who's going to win, and I'm just like, dude, don't ask me no questions. (laughs) (laughs) That was a reach. That was a reach. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, I was I was leading an ankle lab for the last fight. Uh, he was winning that fight. Um, Walker's a huge dude, very athletic, very explosive. Uh, he used to be wild, but as you to your mention, he he he's been a little bit more reserved. Uh, though he'll still throw some like flying attacks and and flying, uh, you know, spinning attacks, spinning wheel kicks, all kinds of shit like that. Uh, he has crushing power. I mean, I mean, you look at the guy. The guy looks like he's freaking super heavyweight. Um, yeah. But he has durability issues. Uh, I mean, even in the fight against Ikhlai, Ikhlai hurt him with a body shot and, and dropped him. Uh, he was blasted by Jamal Hill. I mean, he, the way he not, got knocked out by Jamal Hill, like way he fell, uh, Corey Anderson blasted him. He's a weak offensive wrestler and defensive wrestler. He tries to stop takedowns with those Travis Brown elbows, downward elbows. Now, when he's landed on them, they're devastating. I mean, it would be a nightmare to get hit with Johnny Walker downward elbows. But, um, but it still is not the proper technique. Like it's a, it's a gamble by doing that. If he's on top, he dispatches some like clubbing mean shots. Um, I mean, we saw, we saw him get a sub on Iwan Kutalaba, which was pretty surprising, uh, but he he's gassed out in, in fights. And I don't think five round fights help him or it, or it makes him have to fight at a lower pace where <clears throat> I think that makes him look better and make him last longer. But I, I, I think Johnny Walker might be a guy that that's not best suited for him. You know, it, it, it might make him look better and, and make the match closer, but his best still avenue of victory is landing a big shot and coming out like a wild man might be the best way of doing that. But, it, it, you know, his Carter did look better against Anthony Smith, so uh, I'll give him that. And Clive also is a massive dude. Now, he might not be Johnny Walker big, but he's always been a really big guy, uh, very well-rounded, southpaw, technically – Sound striker. Uh, I've said this before about him. He marches down his foes, similar to like Sean Strickland does. Though he he's a point fighter. He he doesn't any. He, he's a point fighter, but he also doesn't seem output as Sean Strickland. So I, I want I want to make that comparison, uh, but not in not exactly the same way. But but just kind of what to look for. Everything comes off his jab. He he uses his set his power shots. I like his body work. I like like I mentioned, he he did drop Johnny Walker in the last fight with a body shot. Uh, defense is still an issue for a guy that's that's attacking the sound strike. He still keeps his chin way too high in the air. Uh, very good kicking game. Nice deep kicks, good high kick. 
Um, I mean, you, you talked about the Kodalama fight, but it, 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 yeah, him throwing like like eight high kicks in a row, it was, it was still pretty impressive. Uh, he, and, he, you know, he has some good calf kicks. Dude, dude the, the, the high kick that he sniped Dalton with was one of my favorite knockouts that year. Oh, like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. another one, yeah. Um, he, he needs to check leg kicks. I mean, Wombohovitz beat up his legs, and, and, you know, we talk about the unluckiness of, of – and Clive, he had to dig the thing that was unlucky, he had to dig deep. Like he was a wounded animal out there earlier in that fight, and he found a way to make adjustments to to, in my opinion, win the fight and, and did not get the title shot. So that little bit I mean did not get the title win, a little bit unlucky there. Um, and even in that fight, it wasn't a long fight and, and he heard it, but if, you know, Walker saw the avenue of victory by kicking his leg. He was having some success with the kicks early against him. Uh and Clive can use his size and and, and Grind in the clinch. Uh, he likes to just wear on his corner. It's a really good position for him. He has he he doesn't care about the reaction. I've said this before. He doesn't care about the reaction of the crowd. Like he does not care about winning a boring fight. Like the entire arena could be booing him, uh, and and he he won't care. He uses his well his head well to, to get in position and frustrate his opponent. Uh, from there, he can drop down on on the legs. Really good time control. I mean, he was smothering Johnny Walker. In the fight, Walker was struggling to try to get back up. Uh, if you try to take him down, that's very hard. He's good, good takedown defense. But he's not, in, in, in another weakness, I mean, he's not much of a submission threat. He's more of a hold you down, beat you up. Uh, yeah, man. Dude, I, I, I picked Ant Clive last time. Like, I don't know what I saw in that brief, you know, the brief match that they had that made me like Walker. I feel even better about Ant Clive. I think he marked, marches Walker down. Uh, I think he could hurt him on the feet. If not, he either drops down in wrestling or close the distance of where he eventually gets the fight to the ground. I think he batters with ground pound. Ankele isn't much of a finisher, but I think he might fight with be more personal and, and he gets more aggressive. I say he's the last of the street survivors and he wins by third round TKO. All right. Well, uh, that's two picks for Ankele I have to win. You know, on the recap, we'll talk about whether Johnny Walker's on the cut list or he will continue working for UFC. Uh, that has been... Oh, nice job. That's, that's a reference a lot of you. Nice job. Uh, that has been the Sherdog Radio Network preview for UFC Fight Night 234, Ankalaya versus Walker 2. I've been Ben. He's been Keith. If this is your first time watching or listening to one of our previews, first of all, thank you. We hope you enjoyed it. We do our best to bring you a mix of actual in-depth analysis, occasional uh, forays into other sports or historical asides, unofficial classic rock bands of the night apparently are going to be a new thing. Uh, yeah. So please do like, subscribe, you know, leave us a comment. Keith and I both respond to those comments. We'd love to hear your take on these fights. Uh, but yeah, give us a like. It costs you nothing. It makes us feel good. But more importantly, join us for the recap. We will be live on the SureDog YouTube page, usually about 10 minutes after the main event. Keith takes the captain's chair. We will talk about all 12 of these fights in reverse order from that headliner all the way down to the opener, talking about what's good, what's bad, what was surprising, what was controversial. There's always something, hopefully not in the main event this time. And we'll be talking with you because the... Live chat is open that whole time, so we are taking your questions, your comments, and your hot takes in real time. We have a growing community of friends who hang out with us after the fights, and we'd love you to be part of it. Between now and then, 
thank you once again for listening. Happy New Year and uh, enjoy these fights. And, and like every good Lennon Skinner concert, like it's going to see, we're going to walk off, the credits go roll, and then Ben's going to come back out and sit through bird. Yep, that's exactly. Yep. I'm, I'm just going to put Keith's hat on, on an empty mic. <laughs> <laughs> nice job. Nice job. See you guys.